Hello and welcome to the Monday Night War Stories, the best of the war stories as we're done. It's a wrap. We're done watching all of it. It's the series finale. There it is. As for this episode of Weird as We... Did Jamie Eagle come in and cancel our ass? Yes. God damn it. You know what? We, we got we, bought out by Yellowtime Warner. Are we on, are we on Netflix? Are we done? I thought we were going to be bought by Fushant. It was in the works, and then... All the we didn't have We didn't have a podcast platform, so they had to pull out of the deal. Jason Hervey was not, was not happy. Damn it. Well, fuck us, I guess. I guess, but I guess a good run. we had a good run. Uh, we were yeah. bought by the Joe Rogan experience. Oh, God. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Well, then this would have definitely been my last show anyway. <laughs> uh, I am your host, Joseph Lesso. I'm alongside here with the enforcer of the Human Wrestling Database, Corey Mack. Hey. And the ch- ch- chosen one, Mike. Boop. Ho. Let's go. Six and a half years. Six and a long. It's a long time. Oh, sorry, that's Andre. No, <laughs> Everybody Everybody walk- walk- <laughs> it is a long time. A lot can happen. I mean, I went oh. from. Uh, what was I? I was a sophomore in high school uh, when the Monday Night War stories started. <clears throat> and I was 21 and working at a dead end job when it ended. I was in third grade living in Flowery Branch, Georgia. See? So what's up? Uh, you, I was here in Oregon, Oregon. But we rewatched everything, right? Everything, every paper. That's right. Don't get me. Started. <laughs> I mean, mostly, most most of this. We missed a couple paper views in '95 because of just ignorance. But yes, we watched every we watched every Monday night show, every Thursday night show, every Wednesday night show. Some Sundays. Every Friday night show that was preempted during U.S. Open. Every Monday show that became a Thursday show. Yeah. Uh, Thursday or Thursday. Uh, some Saturdays, if there some was a Saturday. Saturdays, uh, a Sunday pay per views, a couple ECW's. Some Shotgun Saturday shotgun nights. Saturday nights. Joe, Joe watched all of Heat, of course. Jo- Joe's all vaunted of Sunday night Heat. All of it. All of it. It's been a hell of a journey. It has. What's been fun about it? Everything. Fucking nothing. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> um, it, for me, it's the one of the crazy things is knowing back then I was a WWF guy and just rewatching basically the end of how Nitro went. Because basically once, one, I, there was like a time period that I just legit, I think the finger poker doom was kind of the main part there, but that was just me going, all right, um... I'm switching over to the WF full time and not even caring for. You weren't alone. Yeah, I know. Um, but like, I didn't. I think I tuned in for the final episode, the first time around. Other than that, none. Excuse me. Such a weird time frame. I. Uh... Excuse me. I sneezed. Damn. I sneezed. You guys really wanted to get your your No Cell Entertainment podcast back up and running after the short run 2011 uh, vintage. Vintage. um, I found them. And we were waiting uh, for an integral part um, to be available, and he had an excellent reason for not being available, and that he was waiting for a child to come into the world. Mm -hmm. So we were just waiting, and finally we said, you know, we could always do something else. 
Because that's the No Cell podcast. Mm -hmm. But what? And I came up with the idea of the Monday Night Wars. I'll be honest. I came up with it for two reasons. One, they were available on the network. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, that's easy. And two, they're an hour apiece. I wasn't thinking long term. They're an hour apiece. (laughs) You thought we'd go like two seasons deep. Like, yeah, we're done. We can do That's easy to watch. Yeah. (laughs) We can just do that. Uh, so that's where we landed and started, and uh, we just we kept going. We got into it, and we dedicated ourselves. It expanded. Some of us more than others. Some of, some of them chose life goals yeah. ahead of this, Come but on. whatever. Yeah, we've had multiple. Yeah, who'd they ever beat? Who, exactly, yeah. who'd they ever beat? Yeah, God damn them. Um, and then when Thunder came along, it was do we. Do we do, do it? Do we tackle Thunder? And at the very beginning, it meant something to Nitro. So, yeah, we did. Uh, so then, it, you know, we got to recover SmackDown. And then it just became, holy fuck, this is a lot. <laughs> yep. especially Nine during hours the, a week later. Jesus Christ. Especially during the three-hour Nitro era. Yep. Yeah. Three-hour Nitro was rough. Then we had the five straight pay-per-views. Which I can't believe only happened once. When you think about it, six and a half years. I think fuck. And it happened, but it happened at like the worst possible, right at the end. Mm-hmm. Senioritis has kind of set in. You're like, okay, we're, the, the end is near. What? It's like what? In January or senior. Hey, are we going to start a senior project? You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. We're going to do what? Yeah. Got yeah. Three months of this shit left. What are we doing? Oh, don't worry. It's, it's only going to be five weeks. But yeah, we we did it all. We any any day it was on, we had to watch it. Uh. I started late with the formula, but I should have just stuck with it. I should have thought about this when it first started. But, yeah, when we first started the show, it was the 90-minute show. So I was like, okay, that's easy. An hour, it's fine. It's fantastic. Boom, boom. Here we go. But then we started adding all the other shows, and then they, uh, then it became three hours. And it's just like, where do I find time in my day to do it? So I, towards the end of this process, I legit was waking up like at 530 in the morning. And getting an episode in a day. And then by Thursday, I had either SmackDown or th- pro- either both or one of the final two to finish. So I, I I did two different ways for the most. Once they got to be a lot. Yeah. I either, uh, I just dedicated one day off to watching as much of it as possible. Because mm-hmm. I don't do much anyway. I'm not like you guys. I don't really have a life. So I could easily spend one of my days off watching this shit. And then the last year or so, it was like, all right, well, we do this podcast on a Sunday or a Monday, so Tuesday night's Raw, or Wednesday night's Nitro, and then Thursday night's, mm-hmm. you know, I was do one a, one a night. And then by my weekend, I've watched it all, and I'm good to do whatever, mm-hmm. which again was nothing, because I don't do much. Yeah. I basically did what you did, Joe, but in the evening. In the evening, yeah. Just pick walks. I, like, starting, I, like, Wednesdays. I would, like I would wait until the shows come out or after we recorded yeah. and then I would start the new shows. I I did the Corey thing too of like four episodes a day. Like m- m- the Mondays oh, I tried a lot. I did that a couple times and now it's just like I need a new I need a new process that's a here. Lot. I would take breaks. Like I, I wouldn't. I was usually good with watching Raw and Nitro back to back. Yes. And then I would take a break. Do yeah. something else, watch something else. I, I read something and then go to the Thunder. Yep. And most of the time I would only do three in one day and that would leave SmackDown for another day. Yeah. I would do the back to back 
Like I, there, there'd be sometimes I didn't take a break. So I'm like, I'm in the zone. I feel good. This is fine. Auto zone. Get in it. Uh, both episodes of Mon- the Monday shows were okay. So I'm like, I think I can go into thunder. And then I watch the thunder. Then I'm like, and I'm dead. Can I just finish? Push through it. Yeah, thunder usually kills the will to live. Yep. Then there were so there were some times that I've actually fell asleep that you had to go back to watch. Um, Although I've learned it doesn't have to be boring. I there were many a time I fell asleep during Raw, which was usually the better of the shows all week, and I'd fall asleep during it. Yeah, um, I fell asleep through a couple pay per views on accident. <laughs> well, not through them, but like I fell asleep during. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, I think it was Flair and Macho, 96. Yeah, 96. Yeah, I fell asleep during their match, the cage match. Super Bowl 6. Yep, I fell, I fell asleep during that. I think it was just, and it's like the... the that show is not great, though. Yeah, and I think that was like one of the only times I kind of watched it from my... In my bedroom, because it's like, I'll just lay down, watch it, it'll be fine. And then, oh, that's that's a dangerous, that, yeah, that's a dangerous play. Well, it, it backfired. I fell asleep. I'm like, what happened? And then I'm like, gotta go back and watch it. The final 20 minutes, I was also a stickler. I had to watch them in order of the air that week. Yep, same, had to. I couldn't, I, started I could that never way. switch. I started that way, but I, I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm on different from you guys, even in this height. I still loved Nitro. I just, I'm a WWE guy, mm-hmm. so I would watch Raw first to get it over with. And then watch Nitro. Um, uh, I was the stickler. I and even even I would start Raw or Nitro, and they'd be like, "It's Tuesday." I'm like, "All right, gotta pause." Well, it. yeah, if and it I'll go that. back. Yeah, like it was. If it was a different time, I was the stick. I stuck to how it was in my head in the the time frame of if Nitro's first, Nitro's gonna be first. Raw, Raw. But yeah, so those is. Been fun, but also sometimes hectic. I'm OCD, so I also watched Murder She Wrote before Raw and Silk Stockings after Raw, just for clarification's sake. Bigger Lefemme Nikita guy, this guy over here. Uh, No, not this raging 15 year old hormonal guy. Silk Stockings for the win, please. I tried uh, Chuck Norris, you know, Walker. Walker. Yeah. The eyes of a ranger upon you. Walker, when you watch it, like, I remember, like, watching Nitro one time. Okay. Piper's there, and then he's on Walker. So, a quick side bet. So, there were three shows that came on before Raw in its Monday Night War history. Murder, She Wrote, Walker, Texas Ranger, Jag. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's the what's your pick? Walker. Jag for me. It's, yeah, it's, it's uh, Murder, She Wrote for me. I would watch Murder, I, She Wrote. So, I watched more of Murder, She Wrote. I yeah. prefer Jag. So, here's yeah. the funny thing. I've never watched NCIS it's, because of my Jag bias. I, Okay. I love that show. I hated Jag with a passion. I mean, NCIS is significantly better than But Jag. just because I knew that it was like shot off or at least it was affiliated with Jag. It was the spinoff. The, like, yeah. I was like, nope. Jag is like just the courtroom scenes of Law and Order. Nothing else around it. Just if they showed McCoy for an hour, you're like. I couldn't do it. My God. I couldn't do it. It's not good. I couldn't do it's it. It's real bad. Uh, I watched Mercy Wrote, but I, I, I'm with Booble with the fact, but mine would be Walker. Um, it was, who, hey, do you guys remember? Back then it was so Do you remember Strip Poker after Raw? You know? What? <laughs> the Strip Poker game, the show after? Oh, yeah, in 2000. Yep. Uh, I, I still go with Silk Stockings for the win on the after Raw thing. 
Le Femme Nakita. Because Pack Blue was Sundays after Heat. Yeah. Um, like cops on bikes. Yeah, that's cool. Let's, let's <laughs> Pacific <laughs> Blue. Yep. Pack Blue, baby. Well, we had that running with Val when they had the <sighs> Hello Ladies. Yeah, him and AC Slater going at it. Um, but yeah, we, we dealt with a lot. You know, some things I haven't, like, I remember clearly from watch, you know, doing this with you guys. Well, let me ask you a question, yeah. uh, Joe, because you were here. Yes. Uh, not to exclude Mike too much, but uh, memories of the 1995 season. Mm-hmm. So just September through December. Yeah. Of, do you remember anything from either show that's noteworthy? Or do you need me to, like, give you some... Cliff notes? Cliff notes. Give me some uh, cliff, because my brain got fried after taking hosting duties, and then... Like Vader, no showing the first Nitro, Luger taking his place, and having that Hogan-Savage-Sting-Luger team at War Games, which is, that's a loaded team. I guess a bunch of jobbers. How about the Ric Flair-Arn Anderson feud that lasted like a month and a half? (laughs) That ended with the oh-so-predictable Flair turning. (laughs) The only person you can't trust more than Anderson is a Flair. Right. How about uh, Shawn Michaels getting jumped, depending on what week, by one to 15,000 yep, people? I, that's one of the ones I remember clearly because we went on a tangent about Davey how Boy Smith Davey Boy in the, the back. Belt. Yep. <laughs> Davey Boy couldn't beat up the seatbelt. Which, well, of I course, mean, if your help in a potential against is Davey Boy Smith, <laughs> you're, you're going to lose the Even if he is out of the belt, you're still <laughs> losing them, that fight. Sean, I'm coming. I'm coming, Sean. This fucking belt. Not even Marines. They're losing that fight to a 10-year-old Taekwondo class. This fucking Those belt. Fucking idiots. Uh, what about uh, all of that leading to, of course, your man, Dean Douglas, winning the Intercontinental title by forfeit it in your house four. Then immediately losing via pinfall 10 minutes later to Razor Ramon to lose the belt. So you, he had a sub one-hour title reign. Impressive. He gets what it, you know? He gets it. He gets it. That's just the way it What goes. does he get? It. <laughs> okay. Because he, because Shane Douglas, Dean Douglas has the it factor. Am I right? Wrong. He has the shit factor. Got yeah, him. Yes, he does. Boom roasted. Boom roasted. The only thing I ever remember from 95 is just the first Nitro. Like beyond that, I don't know. I can tell you a fucking I, thing that happened in, any, in either company. None of it, like. It's basically a black hole from September 5th until May 27th. It's basically a black um, hole. I know earlier, I believe there was a Hogan Beach promo that I believe you guys... But we didn't do because that was in July. Um, no, wasn't there one at... Uh, I remember you guys losing oh, it yeah. over yeah. a promo yeah. on the beach because with a was, homeless it was, dude. It was Venice Beach, yeah. and Hogan and Warrior were in the black, and they had some bum playing like maracas or something. Behind them, yelling jibber jabber like he's Manson freed, while Hogan's talking about taking a walk on the wild side, buddy. And that was the wildest fucking thing, which of course led to the immortal night where the giant swan dived off Joe Louis Arena, lived, and then came back to <laughs> double penetrate Hulk Hogan later on in the main event with the Yeti. I guess I, guess I do remember uh, the Yeti butt fucking Hulk Hogan live on pay per view. I guess I do remember that all time classic moment. The boyhood dream came true, or came either way. Oh yeah, um, sixteen. The, you know the sixty-man three-ring battle royal was brand new in November '95, with Randy Savage winning the title via Hulk Hogan bitching and moaning like a little kid who didn't get his Christmas present on time. How'd that ring go? Uh, a month and then lost to Flair. Okay. When, 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 
And I don't think he was happy about it, too, because he decided Flair was going to get blood during that match. And you can plainly see fucking Macho Man pulls out what looks like a goddamn scalpel and just slices his head. Tank Abbott was taking notes. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> is it uh, tongs, salad tongs? Oh, my God. So that happened. 95 uh, is a wild year. Yeah. And then Sean falling down in the ring after the after the Survivor Series the match. The Dunn Roberts night the Insigurus Owen falls down. Diesel. Hey, uh, nine year old me believe that shit. De- everybody didn't <laughs> tell you. Diesel turning <laughs> Diesel turning heel the night after Survivor Series, or t- actually saying he's cool with his fans to hell with everybody else. And if you got a black glove, you're right with Big Daddy, right? And uh, becoming the best version of Diesel by a country mile. Do you hate it when in, in any WWF WWE when the character finds their niche and then like and then they're, they're out right. the door yep. within a month? It's like, well, god damn it. And then of course I'll I'll end ninety five with this uh, big fat Mabel breaking the Undertaker's face. Yeah, legitimately. So he wore that Phantom of the Opera gray fucking face mask. Uh, one of the guys I uh, buy my. Uh, gear from like my shirt wrestling shirts off the instagram he does sell every once in a while the taker mask it's like a hundred bucks but he's like it's like jesus but it's like uh he tries to make it make it as authentic and if not sometimes like 60 or something but yeah but it's pretty spendy for that mask i'm like here and there here and there and i'd say that it's it's important to note that during the 95 they kind of just went back and forth who won the weeks? Mm-hmm. Um, WW, I think, won a couple more than WWF. But overall, they would just go back and forth. Bischoff's famous quote before wrestling um, started: "He thought that they combined had about a five point to work with, and they did. And they did. They each usually got about a two point four to two point six. By the end of the year, they were both getting near three points. So I mean, Re- starting starting the year and starting the shows, it." Made me realize, like, I'll just say it now, till the end, until the end of, like, the Russo era, I had more fun with WCW. Yeah, so did I. I, I, it's, uh, I got that big smile on my face when I heard Shivani and Corey and I noticed the guys from way back. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> way yeah. back. Way back. Um, um, but I, I preferred it. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that Raw wasn't the better show the majority of 98, 99. Definitely by 2000. Yes. But, doesn't mean I... I'd, I'd still pick WWE over there. We yeah. Uh, what do you like? So like, I know with like the ratings and all, they, that's when they consider whatever. But do you think even like halfway through '97, like when Canadian Stampede happened, is that when generally speaking Raw was better? A lot of people say that. Like that summer, I, I mean, honestly, I mean Bret Hart, I mean it was amazing. But I would say I don't personally agree with it. Yeah. I think for 97, because a lot of people say 90, that they said we sucked by summer of 97, and that's not true. No. I think from summer of 97 through, like, Starcade, there it was like 95 all over again, where they were both equally good. Um, you didn't have one bad show. Uh, and, but then WCW started losing its feet with Starcade. Um, so then it changed. But, yes, WF was good again. Like. Just because they didn't win the ratings until April 98, by, by the summer of 97, they were putting on really good shows. I remember listening, because I didn't come into the show until Rock Bottom 1998, which is a choice to make. Uh, Jesus Christ, Certainly what is. a terrible play for that was. Uh, you guys 
trudging through some of those early Raws in 95 and 96. It was rough. 90s. You were like, oh, my God. Summer and fall of 96 for Raw. Which wasn't, I mean, it's their fault, but, like, when you're competing against the end up, like, what are you going to do? Like, you you could have it a live execution. Be like, that's cool. Let's see what Hogan's doing. Well, they doing. tried. They tried. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> they actually tried that with the guns and Pillman and all that, and Nitro still kicked their ass. Um they were getting edgy, but they were also getting desperate. But they were putting on lifeless shit. I mean, yeah, you'd have one good Austin promo on Raw, but then the Sultan and the hmm. real Double J Jesse it, James. It's like SmackDown it, now. It, one it, good Roman promo, it, and then it sucks. It's the fun thing of like going back and watching like with the worst how, uh, roster. How it's the fun thing of going back and watching this stuff, and then how they tweak it to current day. But how Austin wins King of the Ring, and he's instantly Stone Cold. He wasn't. Stone Cold right after the thing because they did nothing he, with him. He wasn't Stone Cold until August of 1997. Yeah, he, he, didn't do, he didn't do anything for a while afterwards. I would argue early 97 with winning the Rumble and feuding with Brett. He was Stone Cold by then. Just wasn't final form Stone Cold. Because I think I think one of the things and it's criminally underrated in Brett's career is him making Austin. Uh, there wouldn't be any Vince feud if Brett didn't build him up like that. He also made old dandy, rumor has it. He's a jam-up guy. Jam-up guy. Uh, who, so, who did doubt? 96, Nitro's still going along good, but i got to be honest, watching it back this time, it was obvious that they needed to do something around April, March, <coughs> April of 96, that the Hogan red and yellow thing had comfortably played out. It, it was He was getting audibly booed. He was booed. getting booed. He audibly was getting booed. booed. It was bringing down everything else, too. It was bringing down Macho just to be on the same Oh, you didn't love that him. cage match where they ran through every heel in the company? And Bane from not Batman, a great decision. And, uh, Batman no. and Robin? Not a great idea? No. Not a great idea. I Zeus rem- was like, I'm not showing up for this shit. Fuck you. I remember, <laughs> I remember going to school the next day after that was announced. And my friend meeting me in the, in the, in the uh, cafeteria. I'd be like, did they really book the Mega Powers against every heel in the company? Yes. And I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And he's like, well, that's a stupid. And I was like, yeah, you know, they're going over too. Whole <laughs> <laughs> move, Cotton. And they did it pretty uh, handily. Yep. I will be remiss if I don't mention my favorite little gem from 96, which is the William or Lord Stephen Regal Fit Finley feud where they broke each other's noses and had that parking lot brawl with the car surrounding them. And they had the, nitro, the original one. And they had the nitro match that was from Sky Cam because they yeah. were both bleeding. And then the Saturday night match nobody talks about, which is equally as awesome. They just beat the living fucking piss out of each other for 10 minutes at a time. And it made for damn good television before everything changed. And then in WWF, you could tell Vince McMahon begrudgingly, and I mean begrudgingly put the belt back on Brett as the infamous lead to WrestleMania 12 Iron Man match with Shawn Michaels doing like these energetic, exotic workouts, Lucha Libre style running all over the place. And Brett's as him getting stretched by fucking, uh, f- uh, fucking stew in the sugar hold and then he, he, limping around ice and then Calgary. <laughs> but Shawn's doing the backflips while, uh, and, and, Brett- and he's he like, Shawn gets like the, you know, hard emotion, like the hard end, like promos while Brett sitting on a chair or a brick, you Look, know, gassed because he just got stretched by Stu. Yeah. 
going, I don't like the prick, and uh, I'm just going to beat him down. Oh, and, of course, we'll remember that because it was the uh, Jeff Mack opus. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The opus of Jeff Mack of Russell, the Iron Man. Of the... If we're talking early 96, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the rise of androgynous Goldust. Yeah. The return of Roddy Piper. And the return of the Ultimate Warrior. WWF for WWF for Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> Gotta be honest, in 90s, early 96 stuff, feeling desperate as fuck. Hey, did you get those comic books? Did you go to the <laughs> university? Dude, my dad brought home a stack of those comic books for me one day because they were just giving them away at his job like fucking freebies. They're like, just, you know, you got kids, here's five of these things. Is it like the, uh, he brings them home. Box of like, cereal, there's a tree at the bottom. <laughs> no, it's just, he's like, here, here's some fucking comic books. I'm like, oh. Well, we're out of toilet paper, so that's good news. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, oh my God. Um, WW, however, needing to change and did. May 27th, 1996, they infamously went to two hours that night, guys. Yeah, they did. Anything else happen that night? Yeah, they may come mm. up later. Mm, maybe. Talk about it. And oh, then, yeah, Steve Wall got in, the, uh, yeah, got, got, got in the ring. Steve Dahl wrestled. Steve Dahl and the brawler, the mauler. They'd already, they'd already brought back the Road Warriors and the Steiner brothers. One of them working a little more than the other. <clears throat> what a rush. Ooh, run a rush. How do I put this? It's weird. In a company, even in 96, full of relics, the World Warriors looked so old and out of place. They became what the New Age Outlaws became in, like, 99. You're like, And isn't it weird? Because they're younger than Flair and Hogan and Savage and Piper. Piper and Naga, but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and they were around the same age as Luger and Sting, but they just felt... They didn't look as... It was so, so 80s. Out of, yeah, right? So I mean, like, they came up with... With spikes on shoulder pads, like what are we doing? I mean, they felt they felt fresher and more in tune with WWF when they got there in '97. Mm-hmm. A year later, it was like, okay, well, that feels better, and so that's like, weird too. These Wait. seventeen times WCW would bring in the Nasty Boys, like what the fuck are we doing? Do you think it doesn't help too that the the Road Warriors were wearing like the blue spikes? Colors do make a difference, and they, that was weird. Yeah, just go out to the black then. I don't know. It's just didn't fit. Um, they brought in some other guys too later on in the year. Um, <laughs> they also de- uh, Bischoff was smart when Nitro started and got bigger because he was like, okay, two hours. I need something else that's going to keep the people's attention. Pyro in the middle of matches. <laughs> yeah, infamously. Yeah. Hour number two. In the middle of headlock. Fucking fireworks. Fucking fireworks. Uh, but you know what? That you know blew how, my mind. But you know how many times that probably stopped people from turning over to Raw to see what's going on at the start of that show? Well, yeah, somebody shooting up fucking <laughs> the Cafe Yum Center, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Rick Steiner's in the ring. Somebody just letting up fireworks. Yeah, I wouldn't want to startle Rick Steiner when he's already he's in a physical state of mind. He'll, he'll shoot back. <laughs> so, like, uh, now that they decided to, to emphasize the, the smaller guys and really they had started a cruiserweight division, cared so much about it, the entire tournament took place in Japan. Uh, the first champion never even made it onto American TV. Uh, Shinjiro Otani defeated Chris Benoit in the finals. Was it ever televised? No. The tournament? Uh, no. Could you find it? That match, I think, is available on Japanese TV. Oh, okay. But no. In fact, and then Di Malenko. Who was in the it. tournament? If I remember all the names. I know Otani, Liger, Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, Tell Alex man. Wright. Benoit was, was doing loose cannon oh, yeah. shit yeah, by this was. point. Okay. Um, 
And then some more Japanese wrestlers. Probably Omori or um, yeah, maybe... I'm trying to think of like mid nineties. Now nah, he's too big. He's too big. He's too big. Um, guys like that, and then they, and then D Malenko, who wasn't getting pushed at all in WWE, shows up on TV with the belt one day, and I guess he beat he beat Otani in Japan somewhere, and uh, his first title defense on TV on paper didn't really set the world on fire because it was against Brad Armstrong, <laughs> the Candyman. Nothing against Brad Armstrong, but he also I before the title match was announced, you forgot he was even in the company. So <laughs> it's it was, Brad Armstrong, but it's like watching white paint dry. They probably called him. He probably forgot he was in the company. It's like, uh, yeah, I'll be there. Uh, sure, I got to clock out from Home Depot, but I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> so they had that match, and then of course they brought in Rey Mysterio Jr. and with him brought in Psychosis, Super Calo, Juventud Guerrero, changing stuff a little bit. La Parca, uh, oh Danny. Viano's Silver King, and yeah, the of course. Oh my God, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the and Hooven dude. How do I how do we put this? I mentioned him. Slave like conditions they kept the Mexican people under here. Uh, paid them literally in some cases an eighth of what other people were getting. Would put all of them in one rented car. Would put all of them in one room. Um, really treated. I mean, absolutely terribly by Bischoff and WC. As a company from the South is wont to do. Yeah. I mean, it was it was disgusting, to be honest. And then only used them to put on the best parts of the show and then send them back home. Oh, then later on, and a year later, tell them that they also couldn't work main shows in Mexico while not using them at all here. And then paying them fucking chicken feed. Um, I'm surprised there wasn't a revolt. We'll just quit showing up. <laughs> Whatever, fuck you. But they, he did a lot to make the show fresh. On the other hand, uh, Vince did a lot to make Nitro or Raw in '96 seem more suited for 1988. I mean, just like so. This was the time right where they were filming four weeks in a row. Yes, and like during the four one-hour tapings, which, Jesus, which I did not know that. Every other week. Holy type thing. I did God. not know that. And I'd like to remind you that also in the summer of 96, when some exciting things are happening on TNT, mm-hmm. he changed the look of the show and made it gray. The Raw logo was gray. Everything was gray I and just... silver. I was like, God damn. He dude. sort of made it black and white. He lost <laughs> a couple of high quality main event workers, replaced him with Ultimate Warrior and Jake the Snake Roberts. How'd that go? As good, predicted. Yeah, like, not good. Jake's prime had been over for about five years, and he took a hard nosedive into post-career and still had yeah, a career. See what you did there with the nosedive. There it is. Um, your Bible. Things were not good in that company in 96. They brought Vader in. Chopped a little bit, but... How it had no, had no main event heels and still fucked up Vader. Because Sean threw hissy fits. That the we got to wash his gloves. Remember that the biggest blunder of the Monday Night Era of that Monday Night Era. So like neither company capitalizing and using Vader. Because even after he leaves WWF in late '98, you'd think WWE would make a play for him, and nothing, nothing. He went back to all Japan. He went to all Japan and become a Triple Crown champion. He still had a hell of a run. In How about him. that? For two years, right? he had a hell of a run. He he just he he. 
Because they, they, they let him do what he does best, and that's just kick ass. Everything that you would need in a monster heel. And just... And North American history is a top guy. Yeah. People love, people fucking like Vader. They may not have been killing it business-wise, but, you know, still, he was the guy on top. Um, But by then, I think, because of Luger, I think McMahon was so gun-shy on promoting anybody at the top of WCW. Like, yeah, Luger really helped me a lot. Yeah. Still to this day. So fuck it. Yeah, I'm not using Vader that way. 96 was a weird year. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're omitting a couple. Brett, Brett being the smartest man in the business, not named Jeff Jarrett, uh, because Brett knows what's going to happen. He's not stupid. Yeah. He sees the world ahead of him as Shawn Michaels is headlining world champion. So he takes the summer off. Does Lonesome Dove? He did, he did a couple yeah. episodes of Lonesome Dove. His contract was up, so he was just seeing what, what the future held. He was holding out. As they just continued to stumble and stumble and they stumble down, eventually. and had talks with Bischoff, which Bischoff corroborated. Now, but now years later, it says never happened, even though there's actual corroborated proof from Eric Bischoff that it did happen. You know, uh, he he sent him a contract. Conrad showed him the contract live on a podcast. Like motherfucker, this is what you sent him. Uh, well, I don't really recall that, <laughs> but you did. Maybe maybe one of my secretaries did, or. Terrible liar. <laughs> but, uh, I would play poker with Eric Bischoff. <laughs> I don't have four kings. <laughs> I don't know how uh, can you have four kings? <laughs> <clears throat> but he takes his time, and by the fucking fall, especially with what happens on the other channel, they are desperate. Don't and isn't he huge in? I I want to say Canada, Kuwait. Yo, he's over. He's huge in, in Kuwait. In, yeah. In, Middle UK, East, period, like yeah. Europe, 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 yes. Asia. He's Middle ginormous East. in the Middle East and Europe. Because I remember that. I remember the. Because uh, he went and worked that tour. Yeah. yeah, and then they showed some footage of that. Because even in the early nineties, he was bigger over there than Hogan was. Mm-hmm. That dude is was the guy. That's what got him the world title the first time. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, we know he's a good worker. He, we know he's popular, but our ass, we're on our ass in America. We need to tour more. And he's over like a god everywhere. So let's put the belt on him. And that's how that's what got him it. And you know what? It worked too. They didn't do gangbusters, but overseas they did huge business. Every time they did a tour overseas and he was on it, they made tons of money on that. Mm-hmm. Turn away at the gate. Couldn't draw money in America. Well, I don't say Brett couldn't draw money in America. Pro wrestling couldn't draw money in America in 1993. Mm. Uh, neither company was doing shit. Kind of like <laughs> anyway. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, more on that later. Mm. Now it's a little better now. They're both both the companies now can at least draw like we saw Friday night. Uh, they were doing raws and high school gyms in late '93, so that well, I mean, you. for the first six months, it was at the Manhattan Center. Yeah, which holds about 400 people. It's like a Saturday Night Night team. Like I'm like, what what are we doing? Uh, that was the raw look they wanted for it. But mm. even after that, they're working in aluminum sheds and high school gyms. <laughs> I remember Jim Ross or Jim Cornette still talking about his debut. We're almost sweated to death because he's like, "What are we? We're inside a fucking shin, a shed, a, a fucking shed. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, it's like a thousand degrees in here. You want real goes to wrestle in this? <laughs> like, okay, I guess it's like extreme weight loss plan. I guess. 
96 to Austin 316 says I just kicked your ass which starts oh, no it doesn't it <laughs> it begins a slow build. I remember in, in, the in, slow build in current in current storytelling the next day he beat uh he lost to Bret Hart at WrestleMania the next day yep yep and then the next day stunned Vin McMahon on Raw yep and then he was the biggest star and then the next day fought Mike Tyson <clears throat> biggest star in the business it happened in a you, week you remember when he was like gonna when Austin was going to try to jump off the the balcony. Yeah. And he's Thursday just hanging. Thursday. Yeah. You put the letter S in front of Hitman, you've had my exact opinion of Bret Hart. I mean, he was he was on fire. My favorite version of Stone Cold is from like S- September 96 through like May 97. It's before he becomes the, man. the Stone Cold. Yeah. That's my favorite era of Stone Cold. Where he's attacking people in uh, the Connecticut uh, TV towers, yep. and he's going to Pillman's house, and he's fucking trying to jump off the fucking to get to bread, and he's he he's fucking his way into winning the Rumble by cheating his ass off. And that's my favorite Austin right there. Is that Austin? No. <laughs> what? Jesse Ventura? What? Um, ninety seven, and yeah, we we didn't talk about some, but it's coming. Where's coming? <laughs> More on that later. In ninety seven. <laughs> Raw went two hours. Because you got to match him. Yeah, USA Network was like, you, you're losing your ass. Let's go two hours. And I remember at the time, as I was 17. I was still like that dumbass, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I wasn't, I'm not saying dumbasses and I thought it was real or something. But, but I remember at 17 thinking, do they have the roster to go two hours every week? They didn't. The answer was no. <laughs> and... Those first few months of two-hour shows are some pretty rocky television. You would read pay-per-view cards. You'd be like, I remember like when you get to like rumbles on like 96, 97, 98, you're like, Jesus Christ. No job. Dearth of talent in those rumbles is apparent. All the cruiserweights they would bring in for the rumble. I'm like, who's this guy? Holy crap. And they always went longer on TV. Raw did like 15 minutes over because Nitro could. And I remember the time going, what? Raw's longer than the pay-per-views because in your houses were still only a flat two hours. <laughs> My God, what's going on here? Huh, sounds like Kern Dagen. <clears throat> it was a um, rough time. WrestleMania 13 got the buy rate of, of an in-your-house. It was really... And it, it got annihilated by Uncensored that month on pay-per-view, which, to be fair, had a three-team gang battle for control of the company and Dennis Rodman showing up. Which is crazy, uh, because it has what, in my opinion, is the greatest match in the history of ever. Oh. Which is nuts that almost nobody saw that fucking WrestleMania. They they honestly missed the birth of Stone Cold, because the, the double the happens, that's where it happens. Because you... You surrounded that greatest match of all time with some of the Just worst fucking matches. Absolute horseshit. With one of the worst main events in WrestleMania history. Taker? Taker and Sid. Sid, right? Oh, God. You have Owen and Bulldog against Vader and Mankind for the tag belts. Which on paper doesn't sound terrible. But in reality. In execution, it's fucking god But in reality, wasn't booked well or at all. They just said, oh, by the way, this is happening. Like, out of nowhere, a team that's never teamed together is number one contender for the tag belts. That's always a good sign. Uh, Triple H and Goldust trying to bore the Chicago crowd to death in their match. <laughs> and Rocky Maivia, who debuted just a couple months earlier, defending his Intercontinental title against Rikishi in a turban. And we would be remiss if we didn't 
level the blame on Rock, mostly Vince McMahon, for uh, Prince Iakea getting an extended title run. That's something we didn't need. Jesus which, Christ. Which, oh, we, we lamented happening in real time. <laughs> oh, my God. I will say this, though. And it, it have changes fairly quickly. But for the first couple of months of their respective careers, IAK is the better worker. He might, he might still be the better worker. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he didn't have the charisma or the it factor that Rocky would have. Eventually, yeah. grab in a couple months' time. He did have he did eight bucks though, yeah, so he, yeah. he, he started out a little bit ahead of yeah, the. He had eight bucks, not nine. <laughs> no, not nine bucks. That fucking soda. Anyways, plus when Vince Russo looked at Rock, he didn't think Prince. <laughs> well, he he created the Rock. Oh, he'll tell you. Tell you all about he'll it. Tell you, he created the Rock and Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. All his idea. Yeah, that's yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if he somewhere hadn't said that it was his idea to turn McMahon heel. Uh, stuff happened. Nice. I won't talk about it later. Yeah. Stuff happened towards the end of the year. And then uh, for both companies, and then they kind of switched places in '98. They were on the brink, man. Both were on the brink. It felt in in January and February of '97. It really felt like the F could just go out just any time. They were close. It was like. They were close to not being a company. And by February 98, it didn't look like WWE was going out of business. But you can tell they had started to slide. They were letting things get away from them. They were making choices. They were making bad choices. And whereas, just like, and those choices would compound. Whereas WWE looked to be making all the right choices. They, they took gimmicks that weren't working like Rocky Maivia and, and made him The Rock. Triple H had quit being a uh, a peppy, a snooty like rich Connecticut kid. rich kid and became a degenerate. Um, Kane had debuted. He had retarded powers. <laughs> Mankind had become everybody's best friend. <laughs> like, <laughs> things were going, you know. Things were. Taker apparently had been to prison because he had the the the, the <laughs> tear tat on his face. Like- Wait, it's so like, you disappeared for four months, did a bid for murder, and <laughs> are out? Apparently. Uh, Those four months, okay. four months changed a man. <laughs> if you say so. Uh, but isn't it amazing if you think about it? In 98, mm-hmm. WWF has a shit roster. Yeah. If you really look at it. If you take away everybody we just mentioned. They made chicken salad out of... Just go bowls of chicken shit. We named everybody worth a damn except for Ken Shamrock. The New Age Outlaws. And the New Age Outlaws. Yeah. Other than that. Because Sean leaves. He's gone Sean's by gone. April. He's gone. For, and Owen. And, and Owen. And Owen. Other than that, there's nothing on that bone. Remember and yet, good TV week. Remember when Owen had the uh, the run of, hey, why is this guy not the main eventer? Then they drop him down. To one well, because they decided he wasn't H. worthy of the main event shot spot, so let's trade with Hunter. And then eventually, that got him so disheveled that he joined a militant black group. No, he's not a nugget. No. I'm not a nugget! And everybody gives it a pass, mostly because, one, it was kind of funny for the time and what happened to him, but it makes no sense in the world for him to be the nation. And WCW <laughs> would copy that gimmick about him a year later when they yeah. put Brad Armstrong with the No Limit Soldiers. Hootie hoo! You're like, okay, Sorry. Sure. 
like, so like I, Vanilla Ice being signed to Death Row Records, which he was, which was, is fucking weird. It was weird when I got a knock at the door and it was Owen Hart trying to sell me little pecan pies. <laughs> it was weird. Hey, hey, Rock. I got a damn parking car. Oh, yeah, and then, and then an entire group did blackface on national television and got cheered for it. I mean, it was funny. It was funny. It was funny. You know, it doesn't, it does, yes, it doesn't age well. Like a lot of stuff in both companies, by the way. From the actual. Yes, mostly WWF, for sure. There's some stuff in WWF. But a lot of it is not age well. That shit is fucking hilarious. It's a hilarious fucking skit. <laughs> How do you get your pecs to go all the way around to your back like that? <laughs> I mean, they basically acclaimed Mark Henry. Like, <laughs> the fact he still had a career after that promo is fucking amazing. Well, they had to make him sexual chocolate to get him back out of it. And have him and bang have him, an old lady and have give, him <laughs> give birth to the hamburger helper mascot. Remember, he didn't really get over until China coerced him into getting head from a tranny. And yes, that is an actual storyline on Monday Night Raw. I'm a man, Which I baby. believe at the same time coincided with Choppy Choppy Pee Pee. I did. do believe. It did. Yeah, and then later on in the year, you find out Mark Henry's just been sexually molested by his sister for years. <laughs> WWF is a wild place. Vince Russo, everybody. And that happened. The mind of Vince Russo. And that happened around the same time that the big boss man kidnapped Austin's <laughs> dog, killed it, and fed it to him. And then became the Greatest heel for about two months. Oh my god! In the history of maybe ever. I love. I still love Big Boss Man from like September to December '99. Greatest poem, heel ever, which I read verbatim <laughs> on this show, was one of the highlights of my life. Sorry about your dead daddy. <laughs> Sorry about oh. your. He goes to Big Show's mom's house, plants a f- camera outside, and gets her to admit he's a bastard on TV. Admit it. Oh my! Admit it. The Big Show's Him. bastard. <laughs> Big Show riding his father's casket. <laughs> casket is yep. goddamn phenomenal. Goddamn. Then uh, WCW makes some hiring choices. Well, they hired the two geniuses that gave us the Ashton era. Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara. Oklahoma. Weird they didn't hire Vince McMahon. That's strange. Well, maybe now. You know. It was, um, mm. I mean, okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Yep. We remember how bad those September 99 shows were before Russo shows oh, up. Yeah. Um, Life of. You yeah. have to do something. Yeah. Something had to be done. Yep. And in that instance. It worked. If somebody who, whether it's deserved or not, has been given credit by multiple people in the wrestling world for the ratings resurgence. He had a hand in open, it. He did, yeah. How do you not take that chance, right? It worked for them and it'll work for us. Yep. Um. It became apparent quickly it wasn't going to work, and when he left in January, you should have just fired him for good. And but that's not how it worked. Yeah, Russo gave us. There were some good things from Russo's run. Yeah, I give you. I I really enjoyed the total package as maybe the ultimate conniving heel in late '99. Faking the injury so he doesn't have to wrestle Ming, putting Elizabeth in his place, copping out of the Sting match. Uh, for Corey and I especially, but <coughs> it it was the best version Jeff Jarrett ever was. Yep. I ever. love late 99 Jeff Jarrett coming in there, El Cabaning, people left and right, the chosen one. 
I got all the stroke around here. Plus, he immediately, along with Benoit, became the workhorse of WCW. Um, and it's so cool to hate Jeff Jarrett. But I want people to go back with an open eye. Which, mm-hmm. I, which I was this time. Which Joe did. Yeah, and which actually did. watch how important Jeff Jarrett is to WCW that last year. He's my up there. God. He's up there in my top performers. Without him, that show falls off a fucking cliff. Yeah. Because athletically, after Benoit and the boys leave, there ain't much, there ain't much work left on the bone. You know what I mean? Um, that stuff's good. I liked Hogan leaving, regardless of how it happened. So that was fine. I loved him reuniting the Outsiders because that's what it should have been all along. Them in the NWO two thousand. I will admit this: it's may it's not going to be in the top ten moments in Nitro history because it doesn't deserve to be. But Holland Nash drunk off cough syrup, looking for Goldberg in the backstage area, is some of the best comedy I remember seeing. Nash saying he used to speak Spanish. Hey, he used to speak Spanish. Ask him if he's seen Goldberg. Hey yo, you seen Senor Goldberg? <laughs> <laughs> putting on the lucha masks and Matt Nash can't even get his past his nose. Remember when Eddie was Eddie, interrogating the luchadors? Eddie accused the luchadors of stealing his wallet. Yep. And he made Everybody Doug Dillinger take... line him up and make him take their masks off to him who was to see it? who it was. And it was psychosis. Put it back on. Whoa, oh, you're ugly as hell. I'll put it back on. <laughs> Just... Eddie in late 99, when he got with the Filthy Animals, was a lot of fun. They finally let Eddie be Eddie. And that's the version of Eddie that actually, you can see, you can see Latino heat in the Filthy Animals, Eddie. It would just take a couple more years to get there. (sighs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But then they also took the mask off Ray, so. Which is um, a choice. And And put horns on him. And I mean, in a lot of luchas, like Hubitude, a lot of them. A lot of luchas, a lot of the mask They pissed, they... Literally ended a decade-old lucrative partnership with New Japan because yeah. of how they treated uh, Jushin, and the, Jushin Thunder Liger. And the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Yep. Um, idiot. It worked for Hooventude, the, the demasking. He was a handsome guy. The girls swooned. I have it that worked my, for him. I have that in my worst night. stuff. I have that in my worst stuff. Bring up it hurt fish. every other guy. Yeah. But, uh, but it helped Hoovy. In fact, he got way more over. Yeah, once they took the mask. Well, off. he could see, so he didn't kill him, almost kill himself. That's the time. <laughs> Jesus, some of those masked hoovy matches are scary as shit. <laughs> You're like hmm, depth perception, definitely off. Uh, Rob was killing it. McMahon, Austin was everything. But here's the point where it's tough to talk about stuff because so much of the top ten list is from this era. Yep. So why don't we just go to something else, and we'll come back. Okay. Um. I have some stuff written down. Joe, feel free to. I got uh, to pontificate. Okay, uh, thanks, Joe. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> back in back in the day, we had to watch for a bit a uh, Master P Kiss Demon West Texas Rednecks in WSW. Now, hold on. Hold we on. We got to hold on. Are you about to shit on rap as crap? I'm no, not, no, I'm no, not, I'm no, not no, no, no. I enjoyed that. Well, shout out to Master P, though. Yeah, Master P and the uh, who? special main event, Kiss Demon. Shout out to Seamurder. Don't forget Swole and uh, B.A. And 4x4. That is the biggest human being I've ever seen in my motherfucking life. It was ridiculous. Holy shit. Uh, 
I also have like Sting on fire, Sting being attacked by a dog in one night and a couple nights, you know, and Sting getting thrown off the top Titantron and then puts brown and looks good all over Sting. Oh, Rottweiler. Sting <laughs> is the most company man in the history of wrestling. <laughs> right. They they literally did anything to him and he was like, ah, sounds good. I'm sure that'll work. You know why? Because each one was accompanied by four months off. There it is. Uh, you know, I didn't say what? he wasn't selfish. <laughs> you want to do what? How much time? We also got a lot of, uh, you know... Uh, Look at this colonial, we got to move. Booble's favorite, uh, Battle Dome. Oh Them showing up for... The fact that you fuckers didn't know it was real, and I was like, coffee. well, fucker, I remember watching this shit. I don't even life. remember it. I told you, I remember it because I, the one time I watched it, a sit injury happened. I didn't know, but I was... I loved Battle Dome. I may have known about it at the time, and it's, something, money. and it's something I just forgot. But when it came around this time, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then the Sid injury happened, and then that was the one thing I was truly... You just going to say my number one moment? That's rude. I know, I apologize. <laughs> I have a lot of things, so I'm trying to figure out which not to say. Uh, we have the wall from f- forever. Burr. It's the wall. <laughs> You're like... Is that? If you say so. I'll take your work for it, Hogan. It's a camera shot to a building literally half a mile away. You're like, okay, I guess. Hogan must have had that hulk lasik We'll uh, just <laughs> consider some dude on a roof as the wall. Got, uh, Corey, remember uh, Kidman's Three Stages of Hell and Malenko slides out instantly. Yep. He's like, oh, that's it, friend. Oh, and the ref's like, ding, ding, ding. Hate to see it. Uh, let's just say Malenko's mind was on other things as that was the night he quit the company. <laughs> Him and three other people. The most infamous week in WWE history, and that's saying something. Including up to sold out 2000. I I have it written down. I don't know if you guys know this, but I guess MIA was the work work horses of WCW for a time. I I almost threw something through the screen when he said that in that promo. (laughs) I was like, you must be at your fucking mind. Yeah, the, um, because I'm sure he's not going to come up again. The baffling, like, Superhero push of Hugh Morris is mind blowing. When Go- when Goldberg comes out and goes, "You're the man," like, it's like, Fuck and off. I'm not advocating that Jim Duggan should have gotten the spot in 1999, but they gave him Please. the Jim Duggan push. Please should have gone. And I'm like, what? He's uh, not Jim Duggan. What are we doing? I think they started it as a joke because they would say huge erection, yep. and then when that just played out, they were just like, well. We can't admit it was a flop, so we have to keep this going, right? Mm. And they're like, I guess. But he was like so. the locker room leader. Like, oh my god! Found um, out later on in WWE that's not true. Mm-mm. Um, what else do I have that we can try to uh, work around? Uh, Scott Hall being drunk. Uh, let's call this Scott Hall being drunk slash Road Warrior Hawk on drugs. We're gonna we're gonna work some shoots there. Let's do those storylines at the same time on the two companies. Let's yeah. uh, let's have Draws climb up the Titantron and push Hawk off. I, uh, Attempted murder. That uh, that one uh, traumatized me as a child the first time. Attempted murder on TV. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Immediately followed a month later by The Undertaker trying to uh, kill the Austin inside the morgue. He, he tried to, like, exhume him. <laughs> what else do I have? I also have uh, when WCW would tell uh, WWF results to keep you on that one channel. That's petty, and I loved it. Um, I do love that. I have in my notes here, WWF sticking it to test. Because... Their favorite thing to do. Uh, hit job, baby. Uh, if they could find a way to beat him now, they would. Hey, 
Let's not forget the five or six weeks in February, March 99, where the first hour of Nitro was just like hidden camera, like footage, yeah, mostly Kid in cam. black and white. Yep. Like, remember how Hall, remember Nash and Hogan taking those two strippers to dinner and convincing them to fuck David Flair? Yep. Uh, and one more story, Wilson. Uh, <laughs> GTV. GTV. GTV, which continued long after G left. <laughs> uh, hey, I, it didn't mean I have bust. Uh, Taz making fun of JR's face. After, of course, Oklahoma had already happened on the other channel. Became my hero in that moment. Um, I'd slap your face, but God already I did have, it for you. I have uh, the young guns of WCW. Corey remembers Joe Gomez, Renegade, Alex Wright, when they're like, them walking on the beach. And it's just like, what is going on all here? In, all in Daisy Dukes. Yeah, we're like, why are they in Speedos? I'm going to bring it up now, Joe. Yes. Corey, we watched everything. Mm-hmm. Including all of the bad music, the bad dub music, the real music, all of that. Yep. At what point did Alex Wright ever sing his theme song? Never. Thank you. Never. Because WWE Playlist has one where he it's him singing. Yeah. And we were like, where the fuck was this? Headed up, heading up to AEW, the producer played WCW songs so, so we can guess what it they is. They were all wrong. And we're, we're, oh. Yeah, a lot wrong. They, they played one, and then like, this is Junior Jack and O'Hare. I'm like, no, this is not. And then... They, uh, I, like, I went back to the playlist to look, and then I played another song, and it was the uh, Natural Born Thrillers, which was the Ginger Echo here song. But it wasn't. But it was, yeah. yeah. Probably it's probably one that was made for him that they never ended up using. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's not good. Um, it blew our mind. So I have some questions. Berlin. I have some questions, and then we can do our top ten. Yeah, yeah. So questions. Nine here. inches. Wrestlers that you liked then. Okay. When you first watched, and you still do this time around. Let's go around the room then. Uh, who wants to start? I'll start. Okay. Uh, Brett and Sean. Uh, nothing changed there. Yeah. Uh, well, Brett went up even more in my eyes, which Brett, is weird. For me as well, <laughs> Brett went weird. up more. Didn't think he can go much uh, further up, but he did. I agree with the Brett. Uh, I was a huge fan back then. Still am now. And as time was on, he's proven more and more correct. Yes. Yes, that's true. Um. I will still say The Rock, even though it did go down for me, I still enjoy him. Austin. Austin. I was I was never an Austin guy back then, so it just changed for me. Yeah. So I, he's not in this list for me. And, I was uh, a rock guy. And for me, Savage. I enjoyed him all the way until the end. Paul um, Nash for me. Yeah, Paul Nash. Sting for me. Sting, yeah. Um, and Jeff Jarrett. I liked Jeff Jarrett back then. Did Was it Sting when he pulled off the switchblade to cut the... <laughs> NWO's limo tires and that was so awesome. Wolfpack, Wolfpack, Wolfpack rampage, Wolfpack Bam. rampage. Uh, yeah, so so for me, uh, not a not a whole lot. I would say changed in my okay. opinion, positively. In terms of the so yeah. negative, in terms okay. of this list, yeah. yeah. Okay, so then wrestlers that you hated then, but like now. Can I start with this one? Yeah. The giant. Yeah. The Giant, uh, the first, until he was about ready to leave WCW, was, uh, cool. was fucking phenomenal. I mean, I, I dug so good. Because um, back, back then, like as a kid, the monster truck thing worked for me. But like as an adult, you're like, what, what are we doing? This is He plummeted off an arena. And he just walks <laughs> in. still comes back to commit. What are we doing? Uh, but The Giant was phenomenal for me. Um I got such an appreciation this time for watching Owen Hart. Yes. I never, like, I was supposed to hate Owen Hart, so I guess that's kind of what it was. 
But just watching him now was just like, oh my God, was he so good. I agree with you completely. I'm almost on the other end of it, though. I was a big Owen Hart fan then. He didn't go down in my eyes, mm-hmm. but it didn't go up. Either. Yeah, he no. saved the he saved the yeah. the course of the ship. Um, number one for me, Jeff Jarrett, because he played the role so nice. <laughs> but watching it this time with an open mind, I'm like, this guy, this guy gets it. Oh, like, he's so this good. guy fucking gets it. I told my kid. Friday night. I'm like, you didn't appreciate it now, but 10 years from now, you're going to appreciate it. You got to see Jeff Jarrett live just to see it, how professional wrestling should be done. Shut the oh. fuck up. <laughs> he was so great. And Love yeah, that. he's, although I was a big Jeff Jarrett fan then, though, because of Memphis. So I liked Jeff Jarrett. I will say he still rose in the Mayas this time. Um, he was even better than I liked him then. He's mm-hmm. even better now. Um, <clears throat> so he went up. Bret Hart went up. Bret. Yeah. Yep. Um, Should have been possible. <laughs> uh, who else I did not like then that I fond of now? Um, Jarrett was like Jarrett's like my overall number one. Um, Scott Steiner for me. Oh yeah, I love the Steiner brothers. Steiners, but uh, but yeah, big pump. I'll, I'll agree with that. I always liked the Steiners. Um, I was definitely more of a Rick guy when I was younger. Same. Um, for, for the parking, it was stupid. Some, yeah, the kid, it's awesome. Yeah. But watching Big Papa Pump especially is oh, it's so good. He got it too. How to be a so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, Scott was number one. Like you know. Uh, oh, you know who went down for me? <laughs> and I wasn't a fan back then. Goldberg. Yep. Because my next question was. Uh, Goldberg went down for me. My question. The next one was wrestlers you liked then, but fell down this Goldberg time. for me. Goldberg. Goldberg went down, and I wasn't a huge fan back then. Yep. But he went down. Uh, he I, just wasn't. Goldberg, and he then I got seem like that big of a deal. I got three teams for you. Yeah, the Hardys and uh, Dudleys. I I, th- I, think I would go with the Dudleys. I would, the other two, I'm still fine with. I think I just got so tired of them together. Yeah, but I would go with the Dudleys. Dudleys and for sure. I mean, Jesus. Don't even get me started. Is the one guy here who loved TNA? Mm-hmm. I had to. I have to do a Team 3D too for fucking forever. Christ Almighty. Um, just so the Dudleys, uh, Goldberg. Trying to think who else went down. DDP didn't go down. He kind of stayed flat. DDP for me. Fuck that dumb loser. Oh, my God. He kind of remained flat for me. I liked him as a lot as a kid. See, I just thought he was okay as a kid. Dude. Fuck that dude. Oh, another guy that came went up for me? Triple H. Triple H. He was always there for me. He was always pretty up for me. But you know who did? Uh, Canyon. Canyon, yes. Yes, Canyon went up a lot. Trying to think in the WWF who went down for me. Me too. I'm trying to think of that. Oh, um, I don't know who. I, I, it's impossible to go half seas, but who, who? I'll just say the New Age Outlaws. How about that? Okay. It's mostly Road Dog shtick. I'm just so done with him. Not just the opening, but then the shoe. You know the the shaky knee and the just uh, the the butt fucking the dude before your finisher and yeah. So I'm just I'm done with Road Dog. Um, one guy that went up for me, X-Pac, like for 98, 99, he was always my MVP. He didn't for me. No? He's kind of, honestly, I'm kind of taking or leave X-Pac. And Sean yeah. Waltman kind of as a whole. I just, you wanna, I understand the talent and that's fine. He just doesn't do much for me. You want to know who came through this time? This is going to be controversial. Who went watching it through this time, I have that same exact opinion of, and it's a big name, The Undertaker. He went down for me. 
I always I'll thought. Give down. I, I mean, I always liked him. Yeah. But he went down this, this time. Like, Taker went down. But like Taker, it's like that oh. thing of like, he didn't go down a lot, but it's just like, I didn't enjoy him this time. Funny enough, my favorite part of Taker's run was the ministry stuff. I actually loved the ministry stuff. I know it's Jeff Beck's favorite. We can all agree on that. Yeah. Yes. I agreed. Uh, everything the, else, like like what he's doing now that we finished, the American Badass, I hate this fucking run. It sucks so much. It's not good. It's it's not. It's uh, not but good. Taker's one that went down for me for sure. Um, any rushers that grew on you this time around? Well, I had one more for who went down. Okay. And it's not a lot. I want to stress that. Okay. It's not a lot. But it's just a little. I had him really high. And it didn't match it. And that's The Rock. I knew you were going to say The Rock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, people, a uh, couple guys that grew on me. Not grew on me, but I liked this time around. Because I didn't watch them the first time. Eddie and Benoit. Yep. I was always super high on them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rock went down, but not a lot, like I said. like It's just... To me, the gap... He doesn't age a lot. He ages badly. The gap between him and Austin, his main guys, was wider this time. Wide opening this time. Like, yeah. wow, okay. But still one of the biggest stars they ever had. Angle grew for me. Oh, I thought oh, he was fantastic from yeah. day one. Big uh, angle dude for I me. was like, dude, that guy is so uh, good. Angle, basically Team Eck for me. Edge yep. and Christian, they grew on me. Because I didn't like him the first time yeah, around because yeah. that, that hit me with the... Oh, I was the Hardy Boys then. I was huge on all three of them. Especially um, Christian. I'm a peep from way back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Team Christian. So what was your next one? Uh, the, like, grew on you. you know, grew on I knew me. for a bit the cat did for us. Oh, yeah. The cat was... Okay. Like, I, are you, like, who you hated the first time, or... Yeah, like, it didn't... Like, it didn't make... Like, it's, like... Like, wrestlers that you didn't really watch then, and you're, uh, like... Eh, they the cat I'll agree with. I'll yeah. tell you what. When I was 18, the cat had go-away heat with me. Oh. Yeah. Go-away heat. And I thoroughly enjoyed him this time. He was the best part of WCW for a, a big stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cat's a good one. Um, any, um, um, let's see here. I'm trying to think of everybody who went down in my estimation. Yeah. That, that was elite. Bulldog, maybe? I was never a Bulldog guy. His Adair stuff's okay. His WCW stuff is not uh, okay. awful. I got one. Rowdy, Roddy, oh, Piper. That might be the multiple. Oh, yeah. my God. You know what's funny is he's good in 96 NWF. He's good at the very first part of WCW. And he he's good matters. in... When he comes out, when he comes out the first time for WCW, yeah, but then... And he's good through, sub, yeah. through Starcade. Yeah. It's 97 when he's, when he's in Alcatraz and tries to do that team. Oh, uh, uh, that's 99. Yeah, that's when still. he comes back a little bit for me. RPVP, no. crazy know, ass Flair and Piper were fun in then his '97 run. You remember him, him building that team for like four hours of yeah, Nitro. That four, that somehow four, in a one hour show. Uh, since there was three hours, that somehow got holy took Christ. An hour. Christ. That was god awful. The Alcatraz yep. shit. Was Piper, awful. you know who grew on me? Plummeted for me. Yeah, Piper lost. You know who grew? Who? Two people and they feuded against each other. Mongo and uh, Kevin Green. I. Kevin Green grew this time. Uh, yeah. I, I remember being impressed with him yeah. then, but I, if he'd have been serious, and he could have been something. I, I can't honestly say that Mongo grew on me. I enjoyed the terribleness more this that's time. How I, that's yeah. how I put it. But, okay. like, I can't honestly say grew, that he was a good part of the show. I grew a fondness I, yeah, for Mongo. I grew a fondness, yeah. 
from how bad Mongo you know, was. You know what I mean? When he get how hey how does he get a how does he uh, thanks for showing up and thank you for your time? How does he get uh, um, written off? Oh, <laughs> he blinded. How oh, he blinded one him. That shocked me a little bit. Uh, and I'm st- I'm not terribly down on this person, but I'm not as high. And then I'll parlay okay. to someone who went up for me. Got it. Lita went down for me a little bit. Trish went way, way up. up for me. Tori. I was always a Lita guy over Trish. And I'm like, I don't know that I'm, I was correct in that assessment. I think you weren't. I think you're right now. Uh, Tor. I mean, Lita's nothing to scoff and at. And Tori. And Tori's, she's, I mean, she's fun. I, I was never down. I was always up for Tori, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, but Trish, yeah. I'm Trish, yeah. Team Trish. Um, another one I have, as I like, I asked because I wrote down, is uh, theme songs. Real quickly, I have yeah. one more guy. Okay. One more guy, I ironically, it's kind of like Mongo, okay? Okay. I ironically was fond of this version of his character, Marvelous Mark Marrow, the oh. jealous son of a bitch who, who shacks up with Jackie and tries to oh. fuck Sable over. Yeah. He's so, he's inept. He can't ever do okay. it right. I, I like that. I'm not saying I want to watch it all. Yeah. But I've grown a fondness for it, much like Mongo. Okay. I have one that's like that. And I'm going to shout out to the Savior. He's never going to listen to this, so he's not going to hear it. That's fine. Until the last year. Big disco guy. No one else, sort of like Goldust, could have made that character work. He committed so hard to that character. being a dumbass. That it worked. And he's still living it now. I got such perverse enjoyment out of disco. I got especially perver- when he started like translating Conan. <laughs> Let me speak Let on me this. Let me speak on this. And then the, <laughs> I'll still never forget that gimmick where everybody's on the outside of the GM's door waiting to f- see if they can get disco fired. What's the shoot, brother? His contracts ironclad, guys. And fifty people. God <laughs> damn it! We had ha- any luck? Nope. Damn it! Oh. I like I, I like staying on this for a while. Yeah, I always appreciated him, but being older and getting to watch, more importantly, listen, Bobby the Right Heenan. Bobby, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, you just—it cements how he is just the greatest ever. He's the greatest manager, the greatest color commentator. I just there's nobody better. Yeah, no, Bobby's in a just class period. Himself. Even drunk, he's still better than most of the people on WCW commentary. And also, uh, it firmly locked in. I will grant JR is the GOAT. That's fine. But it firmly locked in how I prefer Shivani. Yes. I, I'm a, yeah. I would much rather listen to Shivani oh, than JR. God, I love Shivani. Shivani, uh, yeah. Even these days, I would much oh, rather hear Shivani than JR. Especially these days. Um, and, and you know what? He's no Bobby Heenan, and he couldn't take his place ever. But Madden, Madden grew. Madden. Madden grew on me. He grew on we, me. Madden brought some needed energy to that show. Much for. Needed. I mean, it was chaos. I mean, fucking chaos. Hudson was good. He grew on me too. Can you imagine anybody trying to make sense of New Blood era as a heel commentator? You know who I would have loved Madden? is Hudson and Madden as a team. That would have been good. That would, do you think Hudson Madison would have been like a more I'll say this: a radar version of uh, Heenan and uh, Gorilla, because Gorilla—he's going to tell him to stop. Actually, I think it's a better—it's an updated I mean? version of Jr. and King. Or the, yeah. I have a third one. It's—it's it's in the future, but I think they're—they would have been a forerunner and a dirtier forerunner 
to Tanay and Don West in TNA. R.P. Don West. Yeah, R. P. that's how I look at him. Um, but yeah, uh, what Ooh, else? I have a weird one. Yeah, can't call them a person because it's not the WCW set. I have that in my oh, thing here. Oh, the original oh, Nitro God, set. The original oh. Nitro set. That's a goat set. Is so okay. Side topic here. Is it the goat set? Out of the sets we have, just in the uh, in no, this I era. mean oh. all the time. TV, time. pay per views. Is it the goat set? <sighs> See, it's, to me, it's a two horse race. Okay, and I'm trying to figure out in my head which. What's the other? What's the second? What's, what's the, the other one? one? It's the SmackDown Fist set. I love that set too. That's a fucking great set. Yeah, to me it's those two, and it's which one. God, that's a great. That could set. change on what day it is. To be honest, well, <laughs> let's just say this in this time frame that we're, we've just watched. Oh, yeah, in this time frame, this blo- that well, blows I mean, it away. And there's nothing better in this time frame. No, the only I think the only individual set that might compete is Halloween Havoc with the giant pumpkins and shit. I yeah. love that shit. The, the Bash the Beach, Bash the Beach, beach. ones. I I, used to, I love. I miss those. Yeah. But the Nitro, I mean the original Nitro set. Oh man. It was perfect cuz you yep, we got that you had for Raws the the uh the Raw logo there's the Raw logo. Yeah, the, the Raw they the would road. come out yeah. from behind the R. I didn't yeah. hate that one. I didn't that mind right. that one. It was all right. And then we went Titan Tron. It's boring now. And the then f- the first Titan Tron was truly horrific though. They <laughs> couldn't light it right. You yeah. couldn't see anything it was on terrible. it. Terrible. It took them about a month to figure that shit out. Well, you know, you know how you know how we do think how they do things in wrestling is how they destroy the set because of something, and then which uh, DDP couldn't do. Na- well, know? Nitro set was too sturdy to yeah. fucking run. They were they trying. tried when Hulk Hogan could barely tip over a W. Yeah, like, and then how does WWE uh, WF do theirs? We're gonna push a hawk off the top. That's we're gonna how we're shove gonna... hawk off the top. We'll have uh, Rhino gore Jericho through the SmackDown video. Question for you guys. Which opening did you like more? Oh, um, okay. So I, I, everybody is going to say the Because initial Nitro open. was good. The I like the initial yeah. Nitro with but the, the city Raw caught up. But the one where they fuck with in the junkyard and when shit. the junkyard yeah. fighting, That's Austin's walking by the fire. fucking great opening. Austin's walking by the fire. There's, there's like fucking pit bulls running. That's a great opening. Bret Hart's still wrestling in the ring in 99 in WWF because yeah. they didn't. But that's a great opening. It is. Yeah. Uh, so the, the SmackDown two, one the two, too. The SmackDown one. The well, like then when they goes, and, and, then, and then you got the Rock breathing, and, and, and they, then Kane poked the pyro. It's third for me. Yeah, I would say the Raw one's the goat. Yeah, but I'll put Nitro, Nitro too, and then I'll put SmackDown. and then SmackDown. And to be honest, I have a soft spot for the Thunder one, where like pieces of the Hollywood side fly out, yeah. and it's the guys, and that's not I bad hated, either. I hated the newer ones because it's like this does. They this doesn't fit with WCW. They, well, they just kept. They had people on there who weren't on the show for like nine months. Yeah. That too. Like Tank Abbott was in the opening until like the last two months of Thunder. Mm-hmm. Are those salad tongs he's holding, or he's just gonna yes. put the knife to? So what, you, what was next? Theme songs? Yeah, theme songs. How oh, well? Mine's well documented. I think the greatest theme song of all time is the NWO theme. So. Well, let's do let's do theme songs that grew on you. Let's like you like this time around that you didn't like then. This is oddly specific to us. Okay, the network DDP theme. Oh, dun 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 dun. It's the only good part about DDP. Uh, So okay, a little. Oh god damn it. Uh, fuck. Joe and I had the same opinion. Who was it? 
Because we kept getting the dog music, and we thought it was better than Corey's actual feed. Do you remember who it was? Prince. Taff Cappy. Taff Cappy. Taff Cappy. His, like, network dub was so good. Because the original one is, it's just a ripoff of Purple Rain. Yeah. Guitar yeah. Uh, three count. Everybody three, three count. count. I, I, uh, Sugar Shane Helms. <laughs> one of my favorite all-time theme songs is the Cho Cho Chosen, Chosen one. The Kid Rock ripoff. Yep. Um, like, uh, so be, because I love it because of its absurdity, the cats dubbed say, James Brown the, music. We brought the cats dubbed. Holy yep. shit! Talk about not trying. I mean, it might be the worst theme song in the history of wrestling. That <laughs> dubbed over Peacock music. My righteousness. Loved, <laughs> I loved. Uh, I enjoyed that music. That was my ringtone for a while. Uh, I love Jarrett's uh, network edition because that was just the uh, uh, West Texas Rednecks uh, music just without lyrics. Oh, that wasn't. No, no, no. No, you're wrong. That wasn't dubbed. That was his theme music in 96, 97. What they did was take his theme music and put words to it for the West Texas Rednecks. Oh, damn. Okay. No, that was Jeff Jarrett's theme music first. uh, I love Ray Mysterio's. When he first came. Dun, 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 dun. Yep, I like that. I love Kidman's. Kidman's is cool. Eddie's. I like uh, Eddie's, the Chavo then used for in perpetuity forever. So, how do you guys feel about this? Because <clears throat> it's so iconic. How do you feel about Goldberg's theme music? I don't mind it. I don't mind it's it, good it thing, but I don't. But it's, I kind of associate with him, though, so I don't really, yeah, yeah it's, eh, whatever. That's what, that's what it is now. Fair. This one, for me, going down, as we said, Did you Jericho. know? That until he said no to it, that was supposed to be Crow Sting's music. I did. Did not. Which doesn't fit even a little bit. Yeah, that's yeah. why he said no. I'm not using it. And like, that's like, Sting's never grown me because I legitimately love that theme song. It's so good. You know what I like also is Sting's Metallica song from 99. I always like that too. Never got it because it was awesome. Like, cock. And I liked his other theme songs from Surfer Sting on it. The I mean, original I, one, that, and then but, Man Called Sting. Yep. His um, TNA theme was good. So, I mean, like, except his dive ones suck. Well, you know. Have all that. Or uh, they would ruin Rave, I liked Raven's theme when he got one. Raven, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I still, to this day, I still like the Run DMC DX. That's a good one. Gets um, stuck in my head. The, the one. Rock, the one. Billy Guns. I get. Bam. <laughs> Bam. Ass man. I'm an ass man. Um, I, it's a stupid one. I like the fucking Steve Blackman's one there. Oh, when he went disco, disco? Yeah. It's sort of like Daniel, or sorry, Brian Danielson now getting like booty shaking music. Yeah, like, you're right. What are you doing? Like, why does this guy have this music? But What's it happening? Works? Is Brian Danielson getting dubstep? Uh, what other ones? I like Brett's WCW. I like that one. I liked. It's just hard to beat his original music. Yeah, you, you just—it's so good. I liked X Pac slash Kane. Uh, the the combined. Yeah. The Kane starter, then bring it down. What about it's the only time they ever combined where it was good? Because now they do it now, and it's fucking trash. Well, what about uh, the Kane X Pac feud for like four years? Well, actually, they. They just had another match. It just happened. Actually, they're feuding now on social media if you read about it. There it is. Checks out. Sean Wallman being absolutely. Team X Pac. 
the X-Pac just got, every time he tweets something that's terrible, Sean's just like, I, I just get more disappointed, Glenn. What the fuck? It's just like, what? So Seriously. great. Uh, I, I remember when, <laughs> like for like a month, all right, guys, these are the, these are the matches going to happen tonight. Road Dog, you're taking on Snow. Ass, you're taking on this. K, uh, X-Pac, you're taking on Kane. Son of a bitch! Again? Oh, what the fuck? Uh, next, the following week. All right, uh, Gun and uh, Kid, you're taking on, uh, you know, uh, Big Show and Xbox. Kane. God damn it! Yeah, that was good stuff. Angles music. Yeah, Angles, yeah. Shout, and, out, to, shout out to Patriot. And while I can't say... Did you know that was Dead Wilkes? Yeah. yeah. While I, I can't... Crazy. I, I grew up watching Dead Wilkes on ESPN every day, weekday side. I remember that gimmick on the, yeah. on the pod forever. Yeah. I am... Um, you were like, you guys were like, who is the court? Be like, it's Del Wilkes. Yeah, <laughs> it's Del Wilkes. It's Del Wilkes. <laughs> you sure? Um, I was going to say something. Oh, uh, even though you can't beat Austin's original music, I did like the Disturbed version he came back with in yeah. 2000. Yeah, it grew on me, yeah. Um, seven bucks. Seven bucks, dude. Uh, in in my discussion, I did have the uh, stages of Nitro Thunder with the giant wall for a bit, and then their stage... Has there ever been a Mia Culpa bigger in a wrestling show? They had like the wall for two weeks, and they're like, oh, "Sorry about that." Hey, how long did it take? How long does it take to uh, build? Uh, well, the no. new one took two days. First one took a week. Yeah, first one took a week. The next one took two days. Like, Jesus Christ! Then we had the opening vagina for Nitro. I love the opening vagina. It grew on me. There, no, stand by. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> You know what? I'm gonna stand by that one. It grew by me. Stand by your set, uh, Corey. Uh, before we do our top uh, stuff, I have in my notes. I made sure to write it. Uh, one of your favorite moments of the show is a uh, Flair's hot tag. I wrote, made sure to write that one down. I what? fucking Flair's hot tag. Remember, it's an eight man week. tag. It's an eight man tag in '96. It's the Horsemen against the Dungeon of Doom. They've been putting a whooping on Arn. Who's in the Dungeon of Doom team? That's the it's the Faces part. of Fear. Okay. Hugh Morris. I'm out. And I think Kevin Sullivan. Really out. So Anderson's getting his butt whooped. Flair gets the hot tag, comes in, nut shots Hugh Morris, low blows Ming, <laughs> dick kicks Barbarian, <laughs> and then Kevin Sullivan's smart enough to back off and leave the Hot ring. tag, which is dick kicks in? Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And the crowd lost it. Oh, my it God. Was, it was just low blows for everybody in the vicinity. <laughs> oh, my God. Fantastic. One of my favorite moments in Nitro. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, one of mine is... Uh, uh, Sting getting up when he notices Alex Wright's coming out and he goes, you Fuck know this, what? I'm out of here. I'm out. So that's the question. Before we get to the, the moments, the moments, do yeah. we want to talk about the funny pod moments, moments pod moments, slash yeah. what moments on TV brought us joy on the yeah. pod? Yep. Uh, I mean, number one, I think, is Page of the Package, right? Page of the Package. <sighs> I mean, I, I wasn't on the show yet. Commissioner Sting. Driving up to... Somewhere to do something. And driving back, I almost got in a wreck. I was laughing so hard. I had to pull over on the freeway because I couldn't see. Like it was you, I think Ricky, and I was fucking dying laughing. Yeah, that was a Ricky era. Yep. Page in the package. Holy shit, I couldn't breathe. That's one of my favorite running gags. Um, one of my favorite moments of just sheer insanity where... We seem to come up with it in a fever dream because Ming was wrestling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was the infamous great Muda Ming abortion clinic. He's, Muda sprays the... the, the that's the, the numbing the, agent. That's and then, the numbing. And then the Tongan death grip in there. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, what else? Uh, we page the package. I have uh, uh, the amount of suicide jokes you guys torture Jeff with. A heat seeker of the face, my dude. That started it all. It was mostly, it was all Renegade. All and I Renegade. Remember, and it went on for a long time, but he almost left. there was one show in particular yep. where Joe just went into overdrive. And he, he made, it was something like 10 Renegade suicide jokes in like, Two minutes. <laughs> Jeff gave me the dad look like, I'm pissed at you. Don't say say one more thing. Jeff almost got up and left. <laughs> and then dead turns out. I got him. <laughs> Boom roasted. And it was just like, I was, it was weird because I was sitting there just laughing, but like. I remember the episode because Jeff was silent. Yeah. There was audible silence Jeff, on that side Jeff, of the room. Jeff did the. Do you want me to fucking go? Like, do you want me to continue the show? What do you want me to do? Yeah, he actually did that on air. Like, you want me to fucking go? And I was like, like, oh. It's funny. Get your ticket soon. I was like, I don't know. But I was was sitting there like, what's happening here? I was was laughing. I just, like, early on in the show, before uh, he quit, he's a quitter, uh, you guys just doing everything possible to derail the show. I I mean, just Everything. Ironically. Ironically. Yep. Uh, you, you and I do that now. This is accurate. Yep. And it pisses him off. This is so accurate. But the funny thing is, we don't get within half yeah. of what him and I did yeah. to Jeff. Yeah. I mean, so Jeff must have the tolerance of a saint. <laughs> because Joe gets pissed, and we're just like, all right, we're back to normal. But, but like, well, we used to just fucking <laughs> rail... <laughs> we knew exactly what would get him. We knew exactly where to throw it in. Yep. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, we had, uh, he, yeah, another one. Go ahead, uh, Corey. How do, you about, how do you feel about Linda Hogan? She's a real bitch. Real bitch. <laughs> That's one of my favorite running bits. Today. <laughs> uh, one of I page the package and the when uh, Sting and Luger steals the limo and I have to I come up with every week something. Your new. continued defense yeah. of them stealing a cop car by throwing a brick through the window and running off yeah, is yeah. one of my favorite. It, bits. It was someone fine. trapped inside. It's fine. It's fine. Someone was trapped inside. Someone's he lo- brought it back. Yeah, they brought it back. Yeah, yeah, normally when there's a toddler stuck inside a car, I throw a brick in it. <laughs> a little girl's cat got stuck in the tree, and they heard. Uh, Sting's what, big on animal rights. The, the, one of the most absurd things that Nitro specific or WCW did specifically was give Sid the tiniest cars <laughs> on Earth. Goldberg! And then actually, I just saw this clip on Mike Botchamania. It was when my car. What happened to my? <laughs> Uh, that brings up my um, one of my favorite stuff that we talked about: uh, vehicular manslaughter. Uh, NWO uh, running the Steiners off the road. Uh, it's clean. Corey Scott, defending it. Corey defending it. Corey defending Scott Steiner tossing Kimberly out of the car. No, what happened was he slowed down to a slow enough space for her to jump out, and she tripped. She's fucking clumsy. She, can I, there it is. Can I give behind the scenes a little bit? Yes, just a little bit, because uh, Corey was team NWO. Joe was team WCW. Jeff was theoretically a broadcast journalist. Yes. Yeah. I just remember, like, Joe going off and on about how much the NWO sucks. And we, were like a, we were going to a wrestling show once, and I was talking about the podcast. And we were talking about all these moments to Jeff rail, or, uh, Joe railing against the NWO. And Corey goes, 
He's doing all this wearing an NWO shirt. (laughs) (laughs) You got to play the part, guys. So good. You got to play the part. That's the like normally like most weeks not always, but the one week he was so impassioned, he's wearing a goddamn NWO shirt. I got to play the part because I believe Jeff said, "All right, Joe, you're playing the role of WCW." Defend it, and then Jeff, Corey, you are NWO. And I'm like, because of course, of course. The next, uh, the big leather, the red leather couch, the red leather the couch, couch the dusty Then of course, the whole because he was WCW, I'm NWO, and then of course the NWO splits, yeah. and I, I st- <laughs> flip flop like crazy. I stick with the white and black. He goes with the red and black, and I flip flop like crazy because I clear I made the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the Luger getting knocked down. So who, who knocked him down? Who we'll never know. We'll never know. Who was knocked down? It's some yeah, some, some guy running into the ocean with blonde hair. Yeah. Who's driving the limo? <laughs> right, the Hummer. The Hummer. But notice, see, it was better because all yeah. of our bits are WCW based. Yeah. Uh, my all-time favorite moment. It may not be yours, but my all-time favorite moment of the podcast in history that brought me the most joy to this day. To this day is us reacting. To Nitro starting in an anarchic way with two big giant son of a bitches brawling while Luger's out there posing, the making sheen, sure his sheen's on. Number f- that's I have a list. And I, that, that's number four of my my personal favorite. Of Completely the sheen. ignoring the anarchy yep. that's in front of him. He makes he tries to get him out of the way so they don't get in his way of the shot. God. Uh, another 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 thing that goes with the sheen moment is when uh, the. I want to say Nasty Boys versus Harlem Heat. And, uh, no, Nasty, right? Nasty Boys and Booker, and it was supposed to be Luger with his part, as his partner. Yeah. And Luger's in the back with Jimmy, and he's posing, and Stevie throws one, I think, knobs, and it's like, Jimmy, they're ruining my sheen! Maybe they were taking on the Road Warriors. Because Ro- yeah. remember, Sting had to take his place yeah, in the yeah, match because yeah, yeah. he pussed out. Yeah, 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 that, that's what, it, yeah. Luger, in, Luger from September 95 to, like, May 97. Or six, yeah, all time great character. This gold, just fucking fantastic. Jimmy, machine, they're running machine, and then he beats up Stevie Ray. Yeah, but no, that that's been fun stuff. Um, so we, all three of us, came up with separate lists here. Our mm-hmm. top ten moments of this whole six war stories, war yeah. stories, and. I feel like I should have say mine just because you two have the exact same list. But you have stuff on our list. Okay. okay. Well, so he, you know, so we did our list. Corey compiled the top ten, like he has before, and all then the other uh, shows. whatever we don't say, because uh, spoiler, Corey and I had the exact same, same list in the exact same order, yep. which was fascinating. So whatever we don't say, Joe can one mention a, what we missed. Bingo. One in a million shot. That was crazy. Yeah. Of oh all, God. of everything that happened from September fourth, nineteen ninety five. It's April 1st, 2001, and we had the same moments in the same order. It's weird. That's fucking bananas. It's a one in a lifetime. So here we go. Yep. Top 10 moments. 10 to 1? 10 to 1. All right. Number 10, Jericho debut on Raw, 8 9 Greatest debut, I think, on a show ever. Mm-hmm. I still, yeah. I think we've talked about it. Yes, Because uh, the, the buildup to that moment was so big. We, we were all huge fans of his in WCW. I mean, yep. oh, yeah. huge Jericho guys, I remember reading his his article in WWE magazine. Mm-hmm. Like, if it wasn't for the fact that I lost, I would have won. Um, what the hell's a hooven to? And the <laughs> fact that they 
had enough confidence in him to go verbally with the rock, which most people don't get that option. And the thing that, and they he sort of won that first night. And the thing that they did, there were signs in the crowd. They didn't show it. They were really good at hiding them. Um Did you know back then live that it was gonna be Jericho? I didn't know for sure because I didn't have a computer, but I had a very good guess that it was Jericho because I took a look at who it could have been, and he was the only one that made sense to have that big of a opening. So I wasn't watching like that back then. I was just watching just as a, you know, I didn't know a lot fan, and so it was a complete shock to me when he showed up, and holy fuck, did it deliver. More than delivered. Number nine. Raw is Owen. I I mean, it obviously encompasses the night before. Um, but because we didn't see it, that's why I didn't write it down. But the, the Raw is always like, it's just, it stands out to me so much. Man, it's tough to watch, yeah. man. I, it's I, such I, a hard watch. That was, that. that I hate, that's my least favorite. Yeah. That and then, like, we talked about it when we first saw the show. Like, what are we looking forward to or not looking forward to? And that was, like, number one on the list of, like, we got to do we And we, uh, leading up to it, we talked about how we were going to handle it. Yeah. Because we weren't, because obviously that pay-per-view isn't in its entirety on anything. I think we made the right decision. I do, too. I think so, too. Where you guys watched the Peacock and I watched the actual Mm -hmm. original airing. I've only seen uh, the original pay-per-view once. Uh, database uh, a few years ago gave me the discs for that and Raw's Owen. Mm-hmm. I've only watched it once. I don't ever need to watch it again. I still have them, but I don't ever need to watch it again. No, it's not one I'll be going um, back to. I've never seen the that, so I'm, and I don't plan on it. It sucks. Yeah. So, it was so the show, I mean, obviously, like, you know, after it happened, I mean, the, the energy is just gone from everybody performing, which makes, I mean, it, I get it. It just blew my mind watching but, and then seeing the dent. So when I went to school the next day and my friend told me, I was like, what? He died? I didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Raw and I was like, Jesus Christ, dude. And then now seeing like the little hook uh, from the dark side of the ring, she's like, that, there's so much about that night that bothers yeah. me. That should have never went on. Austin tipping a beer to him is such a BS fucking... He hated him. Yeah, so... Fuck it. It's, the whole thing sucks. It was a rough watch. Mm-hmm. So, we move on. Aside of the Austin thing, how did you feel about the show? Did they... Do I a mean, good job? Like, not... They did a... Like, like, way. I guess in real time, because we know a lot more now. And so it it's a, it puts a stain on the show. How do you think they they pay tribute to him? I think that it was tasteful, and I think it was a good PR look to have Austin, your biggest star out there, doing that. I'm sure it wasn't him going. You know what I want to do? Because he wasn't on the stage. Him and Taker weren't on the stage to get yeah. the show. Which Taker got to keep up his character at a time like this. Die, dude! Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, I think they did a good job because I I expect so little out of them. Uh, b- b- honest to God, 
Wouldn't have been shocked if they'd have tried to get Martha on TV that night. I mean, look what they did to Pillman's wife. They tried wife. to get Pillman's wife. Jesus. Oh, they did it. They did. Yeah, yeah. Wife. It was disgusting. I'm surprised so, they didn't go that route. So, so what are you going to do now? They did okay. What are you going to do now? You're a husband dead. Uh, you have two children. What are you going to do? Well, thanks. Well, coming up uh, next, uh, Rocky it's, Maivia. Know, it's not going to come up, but like um, when Brett came back to WCW and delivered that as good as he could have promo. It was from the heart. Yeah. It wasn't, uh, but it was, it they was They gave honest. him whatever time he wanted. There was no, I like, just. They gave us. Uh, do whatever you want to do. Isn't it funny how him and Bischoff ended up hating each other when Bischoff was. Super cool. And, and Brett him. talked about it at the time. He's like, dude, he's helped me a lot. He gave me all the time off I needed. He got that private jet to get me back home. Although, and, you know, it wouldn't be us if we didn't honestly shit on WWE when they fucking deserve it. Yeah. WWF. Because the whole thing. From Martha's side was, you're not going to film the funeral. And what the fuck did they do? Film the funeral. Show goddamn funeral footage on fucking Raw. You fucking pricks. See, my hatred of Vince McMahon as a person in this company doesn't just go back to two years ago. Yeah. Like, it's fucking, it's been, it's disgusting. I, it's just, as a 19 year old, I was calloused. I was, whatever. I'm not going to. But now it's like, fuck you, dude. Man. You're a yeah. disgusting piece of shit, you know? Um, yeah. There it was. Number eight, talk about memorable moments. Hell in a Cell at King of the Ring 98. <laughs> of course, her match of all time. He loves it. But I couldn't deny the, <laughs> the effect. Mm-hmm. The um, impact. Good, better or worse, the impact it's had on the business. It's been worse. Uh, <laughs> uh, because it showed them that, hey, nothing is off limits in order to get that wow moment. Nothing. And they found out the hard way just eight months later. Yep. Or nine months. It was 10, actually 11 months. That maybe you shouldn't always try to go for whatever. And that didn't stop them either. But that never gets there if this doesn't happen. I'm convinced of that. Uh, but I give Foley credit. It's a one-man carry job. Taker yep. does fuck all in this Takes goddamn match. literally no bumps. Um, <sighs> so I always love this. is my favorite story to tell. So my, f- my friend is a kid. Had a uh, the old dial knob TVs, which if you're any young, you have no idea. I get it, but you know he had to turn the knob to the channel. But his, for some reason, if you turned it all the way to the left, pay per views came in in black and white. Still, we had to watch them, but they're in black and white. The only one it didn't work for Starcade '97. Fucking hell. Yep. But so of course we're watching this pay per view, black and white. As Foley starts climbing the cage to begin the match, it switches to color, and we get the rest of the show in color. God damn. I saw that whole match for free in <laughs> color. And now, like watching it now, because back then we didn't, I didn't know wrestling like that. Like I knew it was, you know, fake or whatever. But, and now watching it, you're like, the, the, the off the cell spot is a fairly safe spot, to be honest. It, it's the know. safest spot he does. Yeah. But, but going not, through the going cage through. is what destroys him. The thud. Both times. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, no, it's disgusting. They, I don't like the the first bump either, but it's safe. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's he's in control. But that, how's that not it? It's one of the matches I showed to people who aren't wrestling fans. But I'm just like, do you guys want to see like the human equivalent of a car crash? Yeah. <laughs> and I showed them this match, and they're just like, even non like non wrestlers are like, Jesus Christ! I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, 
And so when the part, and he's talked about it, it's this, they show when he's smiling, right? And you see the tooth. Because even back then, I didn't know. I was like, is that snot in his nose? Because like everybody thought. And I have to explain to him, like, no, it's his fucking tooth, because it went through his fucking lip into his nose. <laughs> and then the match continued. And then he kept going, like, another ten fucking minutes. And I don't, it's not only like it's going to come up, it's not even the most dangerous shit that happens to him in that company. That happens in January the next year. And I might add that Jesus. all of, what makes this match scarier to me is that this is taking place on the notoriously hard rings, too. Yeah. It's before they switched the rings because it was before Vince got in there. Yeah, because Vince started taking bumps. And he's like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It's, Joe, any thoughts? Um, I can, it was, that was, it's still one of my it favorite was on, It was on my list. It and still it, is. It's just, it just blew my mind. Just, you know. I've I've seen it here and there, but just watching from the, from the whole show and just watching and be like, actually seeing Vince McMahon come down and be like, hey, you know, check on him type thing, and then it just. So I don't remember the first time he comes out. Was that storyline? Was he supposed to be out there the first like through the, like off the cell bump? Were they all supposed to be out there the first time? I don't think so. Yeah, because the second bump wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. It was supposed to be a choke slam on top of the cage. Then they all came out. And they were like, "Uh, it just for Jesus. for for Hell in a Cell that just made you know, in the sad way, it made fully the the a main man for WWE, but WWF, but it, but also at the same time, it hurt him. The negative part for the match because I love the match still, but yeah, is that it overshadows the first Hell in a Cell match, which is a better match. I mean, that match is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That's why I hate it so much because. Yeah. Because what this match did, in effect, was teach everybody that a couple of high-risk spots is more important to having a good match than a well-thought-out mm-hmm. storyline with a couple of big shots put mm-hmm. in there from to maximize yeah. uh, effect. And the business has never been the same since. Now the thought process with all the kids who watched that were, and, and on and on, because it's gone on and on, was... Okay, so we need to do a couple flips off this, go through a couple of tables and chairs and blah, 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 blah. As much as I love Mick Foley, I hate him for that because he's brought on the... And it's ironic because he was so damn good at telling stories. Yeah. But he brought on the thought process that you no longer need to tell stories. Just damn near kill yourself. Have the crowd chant, holy shit, and it's a five-star match. And I remember you talking about leading up to it because I wasn't on the podcast yet. And you were like, I hate this fucking match, and I'm on an island, but I have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like, how I truly, because it, like, this is Corey's words, like, he fucking hates that match. I do. I do. And you're, not, not usually, but in this case, you're in, you're in the minority. Oh. Most people fucking love, and I'm one of those people, I love this match. I am well in the minority on this, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know it's like not. me and, uh, with uh, Savage Steamboat. I am maybe the only person on earth who hates that match. But I, I just I can't deny it's a spectacle. Yeah, and that he damn near kills himself to get over. Thanks, Taker. But yeah, that's another reason I hate it so much. Is that fucker? Feel free to do something. Um, I feel like he said a lot about Taker. Feel free to do something. It's just that the after effect. I can't Mm -hmm. help but see what it did. Mm -hmm. And again, with that GCW shouldn't be a thing right now. And with with the Rock in January, but like that match took so much off of his not only his career, his Life. life. His life, and it's already starting, is going to get real bad. 
Yeah, he's starting to have memory issues. It's going to get real bad before it gets before it's over, and it's sad. He yep. won't make old age. Like we're talking mid seventies, he, he no. won't make it. No, and that's a shame. Yep. Next, number seven. Maybe the last historic night for Nitro. We're talking July 6th, 1998. We're talking Hollywood, Hogan, Goldberg, Georgia Dome for the title. On free TV. Oh, yeah. They lost millions of dollars doing it on free TV. But I'm torn on that. They didn't care because their goal was to win in ratings. Well, their mandate was to win in yeah. ratings. <laughs> mandate, hey, on Nitro, on Thunder the week before, Doug Dillinger, hey. Three days. Yep. Hey, by the way, on uh, this upcoming Nitro, Hogan will be defending his title against Goldberg. The undefeated Goldberg. That's when Goldberg found out. Yep, yep, yep. I know that. He was uh, at home. He was like, what? I mean, they were going to have a match that night. Yeah. But it was a dark match. Non-title. Yep. That had been announced already. Hogan, being the master manipulator, and smooth businessman that he is. Hey, brother. Figured out, hey, this has a good walk-up. Uh, it's got a good advance, and it's going to have a good walk-up. If we put this on television, I'm going to get the credit for the uh, for the rating. And he did. He did. So he got what he wanted out of it because he got a contract. Bump. Yeah, but then he also thought that he would get that rematch and which get the win was, back. Which he was supposed to. And he never did yet. Um, Look at Saudi Arabia. Yeah, if he can get his ass up, he would. Um, it should have been a pay-per-view. But they'd been losing, mm-hmm. and their entire... It was different for them than Raw and USA, where USA wasn't demanding certain ratings. Um, TNT was. Their whole thing was to beat Raw in the ratings. That's all they cared about. Yep. So... From that aspect, I can't say it was a mistake to put it on Nitro because it worked. It was their job. For exactly what they were trying to do. Yep. But can you imagine with how hot the business was at that time, what a built to Hogan Goldberg match would have done on pay-per-view? Even if you got, because like, I think the thought for most people have a Starcade. It's been Havoc. I would have said Havoc because I don't know. I don't know if you could stretch it out to Starcade. That's a long build. Well, that and Bischoff and Hogan considered Havoc to be their big show. As do I. Well, yeah. as do I. Well, but um, well, I know WCW has disagree. It's Starcade. Well, Starcade quit being important in like '89 when they prostituted it into weird gimmick pay per views. Um, because so and in, in full disclosure, so I know what my top ten list was. I don't know what the final top ten list is until we finish. So this moment, a moment might come up, but it's what I consider maybe the second loudest crowd reaction ever when Goldberg picks him up in the jackhammer. Do it. Bobby Heenan loses it. it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Because uh, well, uh, Heenan does it, but when Shivani says if he picks him up, they're going to explode, and as he's and picking him up and they fucking explode, oh, my God. Because, like, when he spears him, people are like, oh, my fucking God, he's going to win. Because I don't think a lot of people really consider that he would win that night. They were probably like, he's going to get fucked somehow because it's the NWO. But he beats Scott Hall earlier in the night to get the match. And when he hits the spear, you're like, oh, fuck. I remember going into it. Yeah. I remember thinking, are they going to have Goldberg win? Because it was such short notice. Mm-hmm. 
and then thinking over the weekend, probably not. You're right, right? Because Bash of the Beach is coming up. Bash you want to Hogan with the belt because it it's was the, the whole, next Sunday, right? Yeah, because it's the, the whole Rodman show? Malone. Yeah, it's yeah. A go home. So he's going to have the belt for the Rodman Malone main event. That makes sense. It'll be a schmoz. Right. But then they have Scott Hall show up, and he goes through Scott Hall. And when he beat Scott Hall earlier in the night, I thought, oh, shit, he's beating Hogan. It wasn't until that point. Did it help your hype factor for the match back then? It hyped it up. To know that, like, oh, my God. Because I really thought, okay, he's not my favorite. Yeah. And I love Hollywood Hogan. Yeah. But they need to do something fresh in WCW. And it was, it was obvious. <laughs> so I was like, okay, he's they, over like crazy. And the crowd swell for him is so, nuts. Not the dumbest move in the world. How they handled it afterwards well, you know. was the dumbest I, move I, in the I, world. I, I, I just want to bring that up now. I just want to bring something up. It's crazy to me watching this whole show, this whole thing, and Goldberg winning the title, and then when he loses it, down the line, he's really... They do nothing with him. And it blew my mind. <laughs> we, we did talk about earlier, that was one of my other favorite bits. Was Joe keeping actual count of his? Oh, yeah. Not what the horseshit yeah. they said it was. Yeah, I was like at one one oh two to one seventy three. Yeah, it's he, like there was one where he like from like thunder to nitro. He had like six wins. Yeah, like, I kept, I kept what the, the real, fuck you talking I kept about the Goldberg count. Let me see if I can look my, it up. My mm. favorite part is that particular weekend they didn't have any house shows. Right. So Joe's like, there was no house shows. He got six wins. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Just went down to the power plant and roughed up the newbies, huh? Just hang out with Sarge and fucking code red as the people and caught that as a win, I guess. Looking back at it now, Goldberg's title reign was doomed to fail from day one. Yeah. Uh, Because because of what? Because of Goldberg. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's his fault, but how he had been built up. Yeah. You. What made him unique is putting him on TV every week and having him squash guys. But you couldn't do that with the world champ. Mm-hmm. Because why is the world champ still wrestling jobbers every yep. week? But now they're title matches. And then every once in a while you throw in a Sting or a Conan or a Kurt Hennig mm-hmm. to make it more legitimate. But then the next week it's Barry Darso. And then the week after that it's, it's Al Green. And the week after that, it's humor. So you're like, what, what, what is happening here? So he actually started to cool down a little well before the Nash match. He was still hot. Yeah. But nowhere near where he was just four or five months earlier. Remember when they tried to redo the streak? Yeah, have Sid and just... Or which one? Sid uh, just imagining wins or Goldberg and Russo in late 2000? Both. <coughs> Because remember, Sid would just have a ref come down with placards, and every time he, he'd come in and, and beat up all six luchadors, he and that was six win. wins. He would powerbomb them and yep. count them as a win. I'm like, what? So like he was like 112 in like three weeks, like 112 and 0. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's so interesting to go back and look at 98. I I could probably do it. It's just I don't want to, <laughs> but to be honest with you. You just did it. <laughs> but uh, I could I sure as hell would read an in-depth book all about just January 1st, 1998 to December 31st, 1998 in WCW. Yeah. Everything that happened behind the scenes, leading up to everything. I want I, I want an in-depth book about by that year. No, written by someone who actually, will be honest. It's just because it's... Terry Taylor. I found my year review <laughs> of 98. Bolea. 
You in the end of '98, you remember who the tag champions were for WCW? Yeah, it was Rick Steiner and Judy Bagwell, or Kenny Chaos, one of the two. Dependent. I mean, Kenny Chaos, Judy Bagwell. It's kind same, of the same person. Ex facto. Um, Did they both shave his ball It was crazy. Like the thing that got Goldberg so over was what backed them into a corner, and they mm-hmm. had no idea. They they had no way to get out of it. Sort of like uh, what they're about to do with Jade Cargill here. I was going to say, has, shortly, has anybody been able to get out of it? I don't think McMahon would have done any better with a with There's a no like way that. to get out of that yeah. without making somebody look completely stupid. He locked... How do I put this? Vince locked into Brock beating Taker and having it work. Yeah. Because it could have not. It could yeah. have backfired badly. Uh, that's the closest to this I can think of. Uh, Gilbert streak. So I'll throw that one Shot out. Shot to Gilbert. Yeah. So yeah, that was a what a moment, man. Hogan did business and didn't hold the title until January again, which is for him a record. Number six, going back to nineteen ninety seven. Madison Square Garden, September twenty second, the one people had been waiting weeks for. Yeah. Austin stuns McMahon. And I would be remiss because I like saying that this podcast. We didn't mention how god-awful McMahon's cell was. He flopped over on top of Austin like a fish and then shook in convulsions like he was dying. He did the uh, the Roddy Pepper cell job. That's how Piper sells a bunch of shit. You're like, what are you baking? What are you doing? Uh, I mean, it's an all-time iconic <laughs> moment as long as you look past that horrific stunner he takes. It's an all-time important moment because it's the first moment that shows you Vince is going to be involved. Hmm. That's different. That's Because he was... When did he leave commentary? Was it earlier that year? No, he was still doing it. He was still doing commentary? He still did commentary up until Survivor Series 97. So, because that was... Like, they had sort of made offhand remarks to him being more than a commentator, but they never really outright said that he was the owner. Nope. Mm -hmm. Nope. And when that happened, people were like, oh. Like, people knew it. it yeah, was, people knew it. It was It's a, one of those, like, we know that Clark Kent is Superman, but we don't, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And the promo was so good. Like, before the moment. Don't you know we care about you? They both played so well. And Austin, well, well yeah, it's kayfabe, but he's saying his real feelings. You know, uh, you know, Owen had dropped him on his head at SummerSlam doing a move that he said he wouldn't do. Um, and so he was pissed off about it. As he should have been. As he should have been. And, God, when he hit the, Jesus Christ. Because. Stack of dimes. Well, it's the little things. Oh, man. You had to do an MSG. Yeah, yeah. Because it still mattered at that point for that company. And what that a night company. for Vince. That's the same night he pulls Brett aside and tells him he can't honor his contract. And, you that think he, and that he should go look to WCW for a better one. If he didn't know this was going to happen, he would have done that. He would have had that conversation because he had this in his back pocket. And Vince isn't stupid. He, he knew this was going to work. But I don't, I don't think there were any real machinations of him being a character against Austin yeah. until the screw job, until the fallout from that when they were like, Man, people really do hate you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's an iconic moment. That was the moment where I was like, 
Oh. <laughs> I, I, I like me some WCW, but that, that's not good. <laughs> and number five just solidifies it. Tyson versus Austin on Raw. That got all the coverage. All the Sports coverage. Center. Sports Center. Um, it... Bischoff tells the great story where one of his friends called him. He's like, I know how they're going to they're gonna try to compete with you. So you're going to have Tyson. He was like, well, whatever. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> and then they did, and he was like, fuck. Yep. Oh, fuck. That's not it's good. It's like the story on the the Stone Cold podcast on the, the net, on the network about how he's doing with Nash. And Nash talks about how he was on a plane with like NWO and Bischoff. And Bischoff's like... We're taking Hogan out. Well, I mean, we're taking uh, Vince McMahon. out. We're taking McMahon. WWF's going to be gone. Nash just goes, good luck. Good luck. He eats, breathes, and sleeps his shit. You don't. Um, that moment on Raw. It was like, after, after that first episode, he it's kind of lame and it, whatever. <laughs> it helps get him to the finish where he beats Michaels at Mania, but yeah. that was always the finish. And it, it doesn't really change anything with Tyson being there. But that first night, it works. Everything is works out. Fucking crazy. You ruined it. You ruined you it. Son of a bitch. Because it's more like because like he stunned him in September. But because of what happens, which I'm sure we'll get to shortly, uh, the Austin Man thing kind of takes a back seat until this, and then it is violently shoved forward to the yep. main focus of the company for the next two years. What someone would say to the moon. To the moon. Um, I just remember this being not only on Sports Center, but um, I remember local news. Like today, the Register Guard had a thing about it in the sports section. It's weird. It's weird right. to see that. It's so weird. It was ridiculous because WCW almost had Tyson. Yep, they were going for him first. They were going for him first, but he was a WWF guy, and and whatever happened, WCW think they fell through. Thanks to Bruno San Martino. But my favorite. He was a WWF guy, and so when they called, he was like, "Fuck yes." So number four, Cold Stone Steve Austin. I mean, I guess you could say he put some butts in the seats. Uh, <laughs> That's what I have it. <laughs> yep. Uh, maybe the. I'd have to really think about it, yep. but it's maybe the loudest pop. It's yeah. I've for me. Ever it is. Experienced. It is. For uh, me, it's me. It shook the hard camera in the arena. And so I didn't know this watching it back that they kept hinting at him the whole night. Yep. I thought he just showed up, which made the reaction insane, Cause it, which is why I thought it was so insane. I didn't realize that they told you without telling you the whole night that fucking Austin's here. Oh, yeah. No, they did their usual. They can't help they it. They hammered him over the head with it. But so, yeah. like, watching it, I was like, well, that kind of ruins it a little bit for me. Because, like, I thought it was a surprise. So we all know, I I respect Mick Foley a great big mm-hmm. big deal, um, and this is a hell of a moment. Mm. But I I'm not a big believer in gold watches for world title reign. You know, it's like just get me gold watching. Yeah, you know what? You know what he really wants? You know what all wrestlers really wants to do that world Pension? title? Uh, no, well, yes, health insurance. No, but uh, at least a nice big fat bonus. Yeah. There's your thank you. There it is. Um, but a hell of a moment. You've got the crowd losing its shit. That loudest pop I've ever heard in my life. Austin, that chair shot was live. 
Um, and fo- and uh, Earl fucking Hebner with that thir- the Earl count with that twenty five second three count milking everything for his own ego. It's not you, you fucked hard. Um, the whole match is fucking fun because it's DX and a nation out there, the corporate out there, and when they all. Because it's Shamrock first, and then Billy Gunn runs in, and then the crowd fucking loses it because they're brawling and it's a chaos. And then that music hits. Whole because he had been off TV for a couple long? weeks, twenty weeks. Because Rock Bottom, he wrestled the Buried Alive match, and I don't think he'd been on since then. That was the thirteenth of December, so about two weeks. Oh well, three weeks by the time this aired, because it was January fourth. Holy shit! What a fucking moment. I will never take away from the moment. Yeah. It's, it's a hell of a, hell moment. Of a moment. It's a feel-good moment. Mm-hmm. The crowd is so happy for Foley. Mm-hmm. The Rock and McMahon do such a good job looking so crestfallen that it was Mick Foley, of all people, that won it. Uh, Austin did his part and then just you know left, as he should have. It was perfect. My favorite part of that time frame, though, was me doing the work to debunk <laughs> that uh, the finger poke of doom and this combined to kill WCW. Yeah. But the, well, it's just not true. That was crazy because uh, they told a great story leading up to the finger poke of doom. They told you it was happening in September. Mm-hmm. They just little nuggets for weeks and weeks and weeks they and weeks broke, and weeks. Yeah. We're going back, you see them. At the time, you didn't see them because they didn't mean anything at the time. Yeah. I don't know if you guys even saw that Goldberg was across the street the whole time. Oh, we knew there, that. I know. Uh, did, did you know that he also went to the same gym as uh, Elizabeth? It's amazing. She he, he owned it. <laughs> I mean, fucking. It's just what a crazy juxtaposition of moments. Yeah. Right? It should have been so much better. It, whatever. Good moment for Foley, though. And it's one of the historic. I mean, this is the pop of all time, probably. I can't think of one. What do you. Like, do you agree, Joe? Is that the loudest one for you? Yes, it is. What do you think compares to it? Like, what do you think is also in the running? Over, I mean, it's probably another, uh, ironically, another Austin one. The, the Alliance way, one? No, the way, well, yes, that one from July 2001 is ridiculous. But also WrestleMania 14, where they have him walking in the back, and it's got that doom, 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 doom. And then they go out to the crowd, and they have the hard camera on the entrance, and the glass shatters. And that Boston crowd loses their fucking mind. That's also up there for one of the loudest pops I've ever heard. Um, so, I guess my question, so, because forever in the business, it's known as a Road Warrior pop. Is there a specific pop from them? That, yeah. And is it better than this? Well, okay, it's a tricky answer. Theirs was almost every night. Okay. Uh, they were such a unique sideshow for the 80s that when Iron Man would hit by Sabbath, the arenas, and for, especially when they were taping TV, and those little tiny armories mm-hmm. would lose their shit. And then they'd come running out, and it was. Uh, to be honest, there's a couple of war, Ultimate Warrior entrances from the '88, '89. That's comparable because he was super fucking over. Um, one nobody ever talks about is Hogan's pop at WrestleMania Eight because everybody thinks the Hogan thing's kind of dead by then. But I think a lot of the crowd in the Hoosier Dome that night. Uh, full on bought into the fact that this might be his last ever match, and that pop. That's your he, favorite winning of all time for you? Yeah, yeah. he gets uh, he gets quite a fucking pop when that music hits. 
Live, I've experienced a, uh, a entrance that I had. I have to think this Foley one ha- or Austin one at the Foley match has to be like. Hmm. And that was John Cena at a Ron Tacoma, my favorite arena. However, <laughs> I credit the arena though because the acoustics yeah. in that place made this insane. That music hits, and I get this whirling dervish of high squeaked women and children yelling their fucking lungs out. At the same time, I'm getting equal amount of men booing him out of the building. (laughs) At the same time as that music is blaring and he's coming down. It's the most surreal entrance I've ever experienced in my life. (laughs) Because I like literally I got a little dizzy. Yeah, it was so loud. And it wasn't just one or the other. It was a complete 50-50 mixture of two very different reactions. And it was just like, Jesus Christ. That's my favorite all-time entrance I've experienced. That's awesome. But that one's got to be like it. So uh, we're down to the top three, guys. We are. And uh, this one is definitely iconic. And raised a whole bunch of questions at school the next day. Uh, so as 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 want, there's there's good competitive matches, and I would say Steve Dahl versus uh, uh, Mean Mike Enos is uh, well, that's a damn, that's a damn good. That's a, that's I think a, so. Of all a, the matches, that's one of them. That's a stem winder of a match, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and Larry Zabisco and Tony are out there doing their commentary, and all of a sudden, that's first uh, two hour nitro. Here. We're in a we're in a, a sleeveless Canadian tuxedo. I don't know where it comes. Wait a minute, is that? Is that Razor Ramon walking through the crowd in Macon, Georgia? And now he's coming. Of all the places to debut. Now he's coming over the railing. Oh, shit. And Tony and Larry are like, Tony's like, look who the fuck it is. And Larry's like playing off. What? what, what, What's he doing here? And then he gets in the ring and they just quit wrestling and leave. (laughs) They're like. Because I I think Curl Parker's other. He's like, we got to. Ooh. Yeah, he exit he stage takes right. Out. Yep, yep. And then Scott Hall debuts on Nitro. Hey, we'll talk about the whole thing, Joe. If you could go ahead and hit the first line he says, I don't want to put. I know the line. Like I just want. I mean, it's yeah. what you say four hundred times. Hey yo, there it is. You know who I am, <sighs> but you don't, don't know. know why I'm here. I watched it live. Yeah. Chills. Mm. Me and my friend, jaws on the ground, trying to figure out what the fuck Razor Ramon is doing on Nitro. Because they didn't say, they didn't call him a name. Nope. They didn't reference who it was. Like, there had been rumors his contract was up and nothing was ever said on Mm -hmm. TV. He hadn't been on TV. But then yep. we were still like, I don't know what's going on. And it worked so well because he didn't come through the entrance. Nope. That's why it worked so well. Because like, if you think about it from like a like a logistical like real life standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. All these shows have security. This motherfucker's six eight two. What the fuck are you gonna do? Stop him? Just fuck out of here. Through. What are you gonna do about it? Immediately after Nitro's done. <laughs> A group of us, like, what's what's going on? What's what's what does this mean? Are, right? Are the companies working together? Did he just bolt over there on his own accord? 
Like, wait till Vince is finds out. Gone? Yeah, like, what is happening? Because was Raw taped that night? Yeah. Oh, my God. Raw was taped. Uh, oh, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, Raw was live that night. Infamously, this is the night after Beware of Dog. Oh, Jesus Christ. So they're taping four weeks of Raw that night, but they're, they got to redo the pay-per-view the next night at the Superstars taping, and there's mass chaos going on over there. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And that's the night he debuts on Nitro. Like, hello. Oh, my God. So Vince must have been real happy. Uh, I mean, it changed wrestling. Absolutely changed wrestling. There are a handful of moments... Ever that can say that. I mean, ever. One of them we'll, we'll get to shortly. Uh. Can you, <laughs> I was thinking about this. It's in, in hindsight, there was like a trait of talent. Yeah. In 1996. Mm-hmm. WCW, Star Wars, go to WF. Star Wars, go to WCW. So you get Scott Hall and Kevin Nash on WCW. And you get Steve Austin and Mick Foley on WF. Can you think of another time where talent... "Quote unquote," were traded around. They, they, they you know, switched. Yeah, yeah. Where it benefited both sides so much. So it's at a smaller scale. Um, but Jeff Jarrett and Jericho. Yeah, they each gave Jeff some new Jarrett much, or not Jeff Jarrett. Jericho wound up having the longer impact for sure. But the show was built around Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. Ha <laughs> ha. Um. Beyond that, I guess the question would be, did anybody come over to WCW for Ric Flair? A couple months later, they got Rick Rude. And he did mean something. But the not Dangerous quite, Alliance. But not to that level. But not to Flair's level. Yeah. That's the closest. Okay. So um, then, no. So in that, I mean, I mean, Jesus Christ. Because in current day... AEW didn't really get anybody for Cody. So that's not the no. same thing. And they didn't get anybody when Cody They didn't and give anybody Danielson for Mox or Jericho. No. WWF so, didn't get anybody. This may be the single greatest quote unquote trade of talent. It's amazing. That maximized both sides maximized. Even it when to the, the radicals went over, they got nothing. They got nothing. They got uh like Mike Awesome or but from different companies. Yeah, no, this is it. Yeah. Well, Number two. Anybody want to take a guess what number two was? It may be the most. Well, my top two are still there, so it's one of the two. November 9th, 1997. Okay, it finished second. Okay. It did. This was the number two. where it should have been. There's a lot of dates we can use in this time period that say it's it's important and historic. Yep. But this is definitely one of them. Uh... You know what's funny is I never know the date to this show. I don't remember. The whole one do. The next moment we're going to talk about it, I do. It's seared into my head. I never know the date. I always think it's later in the month than it is. This is the year that famously from May on, WF did all their pay-per-views at the beginning of the month. Weirdly. So if we're, of course, talking about um, the, No Way Out. The Montreal Screwjob. <laughs> Joe. This. You're a bit awful quiet. Yeah. You start off. Uh, a giant ass brawl to start the match, if I recall. Um, well, the, the match itself and the like, ball, way more entertaining than WrestleMania 12. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Um, 
first time watching it when we did it. And You've never seen it? No. I wow. Know. You have to remember, I never watched any of the papers. I've seen it too. a couple times. <laughs> Just oh. once or twice. It's a shit show outside of this match. Yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, it was crazy. Like, just seeing, like, what the payoff, what they're going to do, what's, you know, you know, and the, we're, we'll talk about it in a bit, but it's just, like, the idea of, was Vince right? You know, like, that's one of those main questions of, did Vince, you know, was it, was it the right thing to do? Both sides were right and both sides were wrong. Mm-hmm. Pride comes before a fall. Yep. Both sides had too much pride. Um... It's such a weird night. And you know what? Watching it, not even live, but just watching the whole show, mm-hmm. there's such an odd feeling to the night. There's a weird, it's weird in the air, right? There, yeah. Vince is in it commentary. Yep. And they even interview him later talking about who's going to win the match, and he's very noncommittal. And even little things like the French announcer instead of the ring announcer being American because they're in Montreal. So all the ring announcing is done in French, and it's really weird. And when Brett came out with, I think Owen was like, like there was this look on their face like, I don't want to do this. Boo-boo face? Well, something's out here. Like, not boo-boo face, because he didn't think he was losing, but he was like, there's something fucking up. Yeah, there's something up. They had such an uneasy feeling in their face. Yeah, the look on his face is in boo-boo. It's, um, I'm about to get fucked. Like, he knew it was coming in yeah. the back of it. He he had that look like, I know I'm about to go fuck, but he was like, maybe I'm maybe I'm not. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's, you know, <sighs> they'll pull their head out of their ass. Sean bunching up the Canadian flag, putting it down his fan, pants, and then humping the ground. Oh, my God. Um, this is height of degenerate Sean Michaels. Mm-hmm. I love this feeling. The feeling I loved. Because it was so unique. It was palpable. You could feel it. On, I was going to say VHS because that's how I first saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on streaming, 20 years later, you can feel a palpable energy that's different. And that arena is small. So they are on fucking top of them. It's it's probably, if I was to create a unique list like this, probably in my top five unique pay-per-view feels. Yeah. Of all time. Just, it's so unique. And you know what else I like? This is weird. This, and I'm the only one who would probably think of this. But it's an infant era. Ironically, it's the last ever Coliseum home video. Weird. Starting hmm. with Royal Rumble in 98, it's WF home video. Weird. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay, so real quick, I'll go back to this moment. What changed about the, when it went from Coliseum to anything? Just that they took it in house completely, but I mean, like nothing production wise changed about the video. The the they, they came out faster with less quality. Honestly, <laughs> checks out. Those Coliseum Radio ones were like seventy bucks a piece, but checks out. But they looked so much better. Yeah. All of a sudden, you it's like a month later you can get it, but it's. <laughs> I, I'm a hardcore tape trader and recorder back then. So you might not know these things, but if that if it's an LP, I'm surprised. <laughs> those those videotapes might have been SLP. Oh my god! That's <laughs> so, um, oh, was I going to ask you? I had a great question that I was going to ask you. <sighs> Fuck! It's the all time 
Uh, you want to know what the feeling was at school the next day amongst everybody who knew about it? Yeah. Well, WCW just won this war. There's no way WF could come back from this. Yeah, I can see that. One, you're handing <laughs> a white hot wrestler to the competition on a silver platter. Who, by the way, that might be his greatest year in wrestling is 97. Red Hart fucking crushed we loved, 97. We loved, we loved Brett. They can't possibly screw this up was the thought process. Right? Fast forward, you know. fast forward a month. With how hot they were, because they're still going into Starcade. Yeah. And now mm. you have Bret Hart. Whoops. <laughs> Plus the real, there was like, how can you, how, I mean, Mick Foley walked out. Yeah. I mean, he's he, the came, only one. he was talked back the next day, but. Only one. Um, the feeling was, how can you trust working for Vince? Like, and yeah, the, the thing that feeling is, never left for 25 years. And the thing is, they're not wrong. You can't trust Vince. No. But it's, he's a promoter. You can't trust any promoter. It's just money. Yeah. Um, that was my question about it. This obviously is not the first screw job in wrestling. It's not the first one in that fucking company. Shout out to Wendy Richter. It's not even the first one in Montreal. Right? Um, but I always think about what would happen if this had been done in Stampede Wrestling in the territory days, not on live global pay-per-view. What would have happened in that arena? And would, would Vince have had the balls to do it not on pay-per-view? Nope. Because nope. with live pay-per-view, there's some eliminating of risk, right? If it's in Stampede, there's a riot. If uh, Infamously, it was either a couple of weeks before this show or a couple of weeks after this show, there was actually a riot at a house show of theirs that they had to shut down in Oklahoma. It was a Shawn Michaels main event. And he went into it with the crowd so much that uh, they had to cancel the show. Jesus Christ! Mm. Yeah, there was a. It started a full on riot. Um, I just can't remember if that was before or after this show. It was right around this time. You know, it's him spitting on Vince. It's the WCW signing on not pay per view, but later on on the video, whatever it came out. It's a him once. like not kayfabe, but. Destroying equipment. And then beyond the ring was there. Or beyond the mat. Beyond yeah. the mat. No, yeah. not beyond the mat, but the no, dark, dark, dark side. Dark, of the, uh, um, wrestling with shadows. Wrestling, wrestling with shadows, shadows, which is there. Which if you know, if you've never seen wrestling with shadows, have you ever seen it? Yeah. It uh, is AMC used to do like a those. Lot. AMC used to play that a lot, and then it used to do that. Uh, the war story. You're like, who would you like? Like the mini, like for that one year. Yeah. Then they're like. Who would you like to face each other in cross-promotional move? You know, yeah. staying in the dead man. Wrestling with Shadows is fantastic. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. good. Um, they also have one called The Unreal Story of Professional Wrestling that A&E showed at that same time that had Jeff Jarrett's great quote about pro wrestling where it's, uh, if you believe, then no explanation is needed. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe, no explanation will be good enough. It's a great and that's quote. that's how pro wrestling is. That's a great quote. Um... Steve Allen hosted that show, by the way. It's the moment that's talked about probably the most in wrestling history, right? That night. Yeah. Over everything, even over our number one moment, which if you're listening, you haven't figured it out yet. It's it on should you. be pretty That's easy. on you, buddy. But uh, It's Val I mean, Venus Choppy Choppy. There it is. There are literally hundreds of documentaries and books and articles and, you know, you know the best thing to read about what happened in Montreal is the Wrestling Observer. Because right after it happened, Bret Hart called Dave Meltzer mm-hmm. and 
put it all out there. And Bret Hart did not like Dave Meltzer at first. Yeah, they, they went years without talking. He was he was just, you know Bret's old school. He's given away the business, but he called him. And he's like, you know. Well, I mean, at that point, what's he? You know. Yeah. What's right? he protecting at that point? Right. And so, like the month or so after that, there is just an amazing dearth of information in the Observer that's just it's ridiculous. The stuff that's it's like, damn. So that's all going on, huh? Crazy. And, this is, and Joe referenced it earlier. This is where they should have made Owen Hart a main event star, and they fucking didn't. Well, Sean and Triple H thought that he was only at best well, mid card. You know, there's there's that Triple H who just Triple H to H this was, day denies that he had any hand in it. Triple H, who at that time was very much the definition of a mid card guy, making that description right. is, is a bit much. But whatever. So the Montreal Screw Job is number two. So choppy, choppy, number one. Well, number one, I think, is a no-brainer <laughs> to anybody who's ever paid attention to this podcast. But we'll just—I'll just put out the numbers: seven, seven, ninety-six. It's really all there is to it. Bash at the beach. Who's the third man? Who's the third man? Hogan turns heel after thirteen, fourteen years. Flipping the babyface. Ever since Rocky. Yep. Rocky's returned him. And ignites what's the second white hot era of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing I will die. I will always. I my goal in life is I'm not even a historian. I'm just a, a dedicated fan. But WWE will have you think that the Attitude Era in Austin and McMahon sparked the second era. It made it white hot. There's no denying that. What sparked it, it was con- the NWO. Continued the yeah. white hot era. The NWO is what started it. Hogan turning heel and this becoming the biggest fucking thing. I have a quick aside. I started junior year. Um, in September 96, my junior year of high school. And I'm hanging out in the PE room at lunch, just play ball, whatever. Mm. And the football team comes in. Uh, the varsity football team. They were just doing whatever. Pick up their steroids? Probably. Just do whatever they do. But uh, there was like seven of them. And each and every one of them had a brand new NWO (laughs) shirt on. Oh, yeah. Now, this is September 96, guys. This is the NWO shirt without the words. Yeah. It was just the letters inside the white box. And I remember thinking, holy fuck, that's cool. Like, I didn't know any of those guys. Certainly didn't know any of them liked wrestling. They all were wearing an NWO shirt in unison. For like practice, I mean, I was like, "Holy!" I fuck. know the other company will tell you it's Austin three sixteen. That is the most iconic shirt in the history of wrestling. It still sells today in the buttloads. Yeah. By the way, um, yes, it is the most iconic shirt in wrestling history. Uh, that's what I knew because, like, I was like, nobody wore wrestling stuff at school, yeah. like, and certainly not in groups. Yeah. But. Uh, seven of these big motherfuckers in their football shit with that shirt on. I was like, that's different. It's, um, it's like Scott Hall, which is very weird that in two months' time, wrestling changed twice. But, uh, it's one of those handful of moments that, and I think Corey and I agree on this. I don't know where Joe falls on this, but I think it's the better character. I'll take Hollywood Hogan all day over Red and Yellow Hogan. I would. I would 100%. Too. I love Hollywood Hulk Hogan. 
It's That's so good. Great, yeah. It's such a great character. He's maniacal, but he's also a pussy. And I, it's, he's it's, like, the, it's the, it was a nice transition for him because of the fact when NWO do, do their promos later on in, in the black and white, and it's just, you know, the handheld camera look and stuff. And, you know, they're like, hey, no hokey vitamins crap, just no Memphis promos. Yeah. Because he's cutting Memphis promos, yeah. and it's like, they ain't going to work. Just chop it up. And then remember the dude, they didn't even get Hogan to fix himself at first. The dude's like, I can chop it up. Edit the shit out of it. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, but he's, Hulk's right in one way. NWO doesn't work if he's in it, not in it, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because even before, and they did consciously start trying to do it, because they, but Hall and Ash were just too cool. The crowd cheered him anyway. Yeah. You had to have Hogan as that absolute piece of shit heel they booed no matter what. One, one of the because that made it work. One of the infamous kind of things is the old the old grandma, the old granny throwing. Is punches. that not one of the greatest visuals? It's in one Monday of the Night? greatest thing ever. Oh my god! Because he's not. It's so awesome. He's there and she's swinging. I love that old lady. I don't know who she is. I love her. She's like my third grandma. She now. used to be in the Hall of Fucking Fame, yeah. dude. She's fucking swinging at Hogan, and he's and, barely and, uh, ducking. He's, uh, not working. She no. is swinging, dog. She's swinging. He ducks a little. And he like ducks and goes back at and him. And he's talking trash to her. It is so good. As, by the way, like, she would be kicked out now. Yeah. But only wrestlers who grew up in territories could know how to handle that. Yeah. And he knew he'd. Like, if you. Perfect. Like today, because there's no territories now, but no. like there is maybe five people who would understand how to handle that situation in wrestling across every, the yeah. world. Yeah, who could who knew how to do like? Because of course you bait it on. You just, yeah, of course. What are you? Yeah, she, and she she was trying to connect. She so wanted awesome. she wanted a piece of that flesh. She wanted her hundred scalps. Oh yeah, yes yeah, she did. Uh, but yeah, like, and we've talked about it, uh, you know, on the No Cell podcast, we watched that match a couple weeks ago. Um, Sting was down to do it, and it wouldn't have worked. I it, love me some Sting, it wouldn't have worked. It not, wouldn't have worked. It would have worked not as well. It would have worked not as well. He doesn't have it in him to be a heel, like you have to be. Um, Luger would have been terrible. It would have been god-awful. No, it wouldn't have worked. And it's the, honestly the only other person it could have been because of being in WWF. It wouldn't have worked the same as Hogan. No. But you could have thrown Savage in there. I mean, they did months later and it fit. So, I mean, he, I mean, I was honestly, he fit in it, but it wouldn't have been the same. No. It, you had to have him as the raw, raw guy. Hogan, just for whatever reason, it just, you know, round peg, round hole. Because like. it's, it's not only that he was stale, but it's a big part of this. The crowd was, they didn't know it, but they were ready to boo him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there are those smart guys already did boo him. Cause you, t- so you talked about it. I think when it happened, because the people who were booing him or the, the kids who grew up loving Hulk Hogan. Yep. And so 10 years later, like we're fucking still doing red and yellow. Yeah. I ate like, my vitamins, dog. I'm a grown ass adult. I, Can we stop eating vitamins? I may be the perfect. I'm hitting a bong later. I may be the perfect <laughs> person. You're the test group. In this age group. Cause I was that age group. Yeah. I was, I was the little kid. With the raw, raw, yep. red, and yellow. Like, and I was 16 at this point. I'm doing point. bong rips now. Right? Move the fuck I on. I was like, Hall and Nash were cool as fuck to yeah. me. It was those guys I was down with. Yeah. Was like, Whatever they're doing, I'm with. And then as soon as he turned, I was like, now you got it. Yeah. Now yeah, you got yeah. it. And it changed, and it changed WF forever, too, because they mm-hmm. had to start trying again. 
Mm-hmm. Say what you want about 95, 96, Vince is in like auto drive. He knows what'll keep him afloat. He's not worried about them as a business until Nitro, but now it's like, I, I got to start worrying. We talked about it. So in a month's time, we get this, and we also get the Austin 316 since I just kicked. Like, we get that yeah, in right. a month. It's an Jesus Christ. It's an embarrassment of riches. Uh, I mean, so there was no doubt, I think, what was number one. Uh, Joe, no. yeah. what did we not hit off of your... So we talked about that was... We, Corey and I literally had the same list. Yeah. Uh, for me, I had, I just put up for a moment, uh... I don't think anything of mine wasn't on there. I think that was all on there. Um... Well, that was, by the way, I just want to clarify, that was number one for all three of us. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, I would have put, uh, Screwjob, I had Screwjob on three, but that's just me. I was just, I honestly just wrote the list down. And, and he had Foley wins the title, puts Foley Pleasant Seats at four. four. I had DX invading WCW. That's the only thing we, uh, and he also had the Starcade 97, 97 main, main event. event. And then Brett shows up in WCW and they screw it up. Yep. And Shane on WCW. And then for number 10, I just put Vince Russo's shoot interview uh, at Bash the Beach 2000. And the reason none of those made the list is because all the things that he differed with us on were like his 7 through 10. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, they yeah. were too low to. Yeah. Um, so the only other, so I was, I was going through the list, the only other couple that really came to mind as being iconic moments were Austin and the beer truck. Yeah. That one is just. Did either one of you give serious consideration to This Is Your Life? I didn't. I did not. I think I had it like 12 or 13. I think yeah. it was up there. I thought about it, but it was just too long. It worked. It worked to their advantage. Highest yeah. rated segment of all time for a while. But, man, did they go long. I know I, this won't be it. I just want to say it because, you know, we watched it. Orange Spot. That was great. This is, you know. Not my spot. So, Liver Spot. spot. Liver Spot. So the only other one, so this is your life. I had one more that was in contention that I thought hard about was Ric Flair returning on Nitro in 98. That was so good. Yeah. Fire me. I'm already fired. That. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the Bishop probably. Yeah. So uh, it was like a week after McGuire broke the record or whatever. That in Charlotte, that promo is so good. And I'm not even a Flair guy. I'm just like, oh, you know, you're a liar, a cheater, a scam. You are a no good son, son of a, a bitch. bitch. I loved it. Oh, my God. Real quickly, because I did this. I want to switch you guys' take on this. I wrote down who, in my opinion, is the top 10 Monday Night War stories MVPs. Not in terms of who won the MVP for the shows, but just who I thought were the 10 greatest acts. Of the Monday Night War stories. Okay. Number 10 might surprise you, but the way we've been talking, maybe not. Lex Luger. Not for me. He would be my top 10. Okay. That entire first year, plus how over he was in 97, is the one who's actually in the ring battling the NWO. was nuts. What do you make your 10, Joe? Uh, He did not. Number nine, Shawn Michaels. Too little during the uh, accumulated wars. He did not for me. Um, and I might replace him with one guy that was on the outside looking in. I could make a case for either one of these guys being on. He didn't make a side real quick. I didn't make a full 10, but he didn't make my list that I made. So I would say number nine is a Shawn Michaels slash Mick Foley. He was on mine. Because one guy 
I didn't want to discount the early years of the Monday Wars, and Sean was integral yeah, yeah, yeah. to 95 through 97 for them. And then Foley, kind of integral oh, from yeah. 97 through the end. Um, was he there 96? Yeah. Was that when he showed up? Yep. Yeah. You number, know, I had Foley on mine. Just the sheer amount of greatness that he had. Number eight, Eric Bischoff. He was... I didn't consider Bischoff. Oh, he was absolute. I mean, all the early NWO stuff where even before he joins them, they're attacking him. And Man, I did not consider Bischoff. And he's I integral. Either. I mean, he... let's let's. Oh, not, wait, you're not wrong. Let's not forget. He, he paves the way for Mr. McMahon. Okay, I... I know who he'd replace on my list. Okay. Eric Bischoff showed them that the evil owner could work. Because evil Eric and the NWO is a full year and a half before Mr. McMahon. I didn't even think about Eric. Yeah. I didn't either. So I'd say he's he's easily on my yeah, list. Yeah, he'd be on mine too. Number seven, Bret Hart. On mine. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I just, you know. If WCW had done that. <laughs> if WCW had done more, he'd been higher up, but they can't. Yeah. Number six, The Rock. Yep. Some of these don't, you don't need to say anything. Uh, you know. Number five, Sting. If he's not the counterpoint to the White Hot NWO, it doesn't go. Number four, The Outsiders. Mm-hmm. You can't put, you can't take them apart. No. Number three, Hollywood Hogan. Yep. The linchpin of Nitro. Number two, Mr. McMahon. And it's probably a no-brainer. <laughs> Number know. one, what? Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I I have my ten performers, but I ought to say this now: McMahon is up there, but he's just not on my. I have like this wrestlers, okay. right? Good. Okay. Uh, number ten, I have Triple H. He's on mine. Yep. yep. Uh, number nine, I have Hogan. Mm-hmm. Eight outsiders. Seven Brett. Mm-hmm. Six, The Rock. Five, Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. Uh, four, Sting. Three, Chris Jericho. Two. Jeff Jarrett and, <laughs> and one Stone Cold. So, so mine were I pretty much had all those guys, just I didn't have 10, so I'll just go backwards. These were just my favorite performers. So, Rock was one, Hogan was two, Jarrett was three, Brett was four, Foley, Triple H, and then I had Ray. Yeah, but I'd probably replace Ray with Bischoff, if I'm being honest, and then just as. A Bite joke me. for me, La Parka. Remember? Oh, dandy. Bite me, La Parka. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, of course, that's a very, very good list yeah. for both of you. That's yeah. that's hard to argue. I mean, most of those people were in most of our iconic moments. Mm-hmm. You know? Ralph just, is for Jericho, you know? Nobody ever talks about it, but I will always say Bischoff was so integral, especially in showing that the evil promoter could be a bankable money player in this era. Yeah. Mr. McMahon, of course, does a better version. But we have McMahon. We have remember Bischoff challenging McMahon on live TV. Hey, meet me at the pay per view. He was serious too. Him coming down on the bike in the <laughs> ring. You know what's funny is I remember the story, right? Because Eric tells a story where he was going over this, and Hogan was like, "You know, he might show up, and he's gonna beat your ass." And Eric was like, "I'm gonna fucking beat my ass." But thinking back on now, I'm like, Eric would beat the living. Fuck out of Vince McMahon. He's actually training me. He would beat the shit out of that Mm -hmm. old man. Like, without even trying. He's got no front teeth. No. You know. Famously, you know that story, right? What? Bischoff has no front teeth. Yeah. 
Famously, they're they're dentures. Yeah, huh. but he he, he lost them in fights. Right, he's got just yeah, he lost them in fights in. in his twenties. He's had dentures since in his twenties. Um, he takes him out when he thinks he's gonna have a fight. Yeah, he, he, I know he infamously Savage was him and Savage were having issues, and he went to his hotel room because Savage wanted to see him, and he said, "I I got a bad feeling." And he popped his dentures out, and put them in his pocket, and then knocked on the door. So funny. Um, yes. I would say, so I guess we can do the, like, award show type thing, because I have a list of, you should, I think, Miss Rubel, you have our overall motive and overall. No. No? Okay. Oh, you were going to do that once upon a time. One yep, time. and then I didn't. That's fine. So <laughs> what we're doing is we're... Uh, it's a lot of fucking work. Ricky is here. There it is. It's amazing. <laughs> there it is. Seven fucking years of shows to listen to. Couldn't do it. Not hard, no. <laughs> Uh, so Very hard. so we have a uh, our we we do our MVPs who like we have a list of MVPs Samoa Dibs. Uh I have probably do some best matches that you enjoyed and worst matches and then uh, I, I don't know if we have a WTF but if you got one I'll bring it up. So um, let's start off with a uh, you know uh, best match. What were some of your best matches? Hmm. Off the so, top of my head, I'm going to go first. Favorite are different for me. Okay, they're they're different. They're different discussions. So best, let's do, I let's go ahead. Let's, let's do favorite. Favorite? Yeah, let's do favorite. What resonated with you all? Because, so what's funny is, uh, like, I'll answer it by saying it this by ignoring you and answering a different way. Because, like, I think the best match is Eddie I'm versus Ray. But it's not yeah. my favorite match. Like, it doesn't even make my list. Which is weird to say, because it's probably the best match, but I just, yeah, I don't care. So for me, it's Brett <coughs> Austin. For me, it's what I think is the greatest match of all time. It's probably my number one all-time as well, so I bet it's on mine. I have it up there. I have two. All right, for, like, I, uh, so the match is, like, I, like, I would say it's mine. I have Brett Sean, uh, I mean, uh, Brett Austin, Ray Eddy. I really like Triple H Austin, the three stages. Gosh, how fucked up is it that a um, seven-month period in one year gave us Austin Hart, mm-hmm. Ray Eddy, and the first ever Hell in a Cell? Nice seven's a good year. I have that, the Hell in a Cell in mind, too. Uh, DDP Macho. That's great. The first uh, one and I, for one of my favorites, just because it's the uh, environment, um, Canadian Stampede. Yep, that's on my. And that was on there too. Ninety-seven. Yeah, ninety-seven was a great fucking year. Uh, so oh, for the resonate for me, so Brett, obviously Brett Austin. Uh, I mean the Hell in a Cell. I talked about. It. I love that match. Uh, TLC. One I'll just say both of them because yeah. I do think going back, I do think the first one is better, but number two is iconic. It, it just is. Um, Triple H and Cactus Jack Rumble. Uh, that's on my list fight. too. That's on my uh, list Goldberg too. Goldberg Hogan resonates with me very, very much. And then because uh, it's absurd, the monster truck thing. It's what I go back to. It's fucking st- okay. Well, so that yes. But then what I think is the greatest war games match of all time is the NWO versus WCW in '96. Such a great storyline. That match is because it's where we lose that sting. Yep, and it becomes Crow. Because he's like, he's like, fucker, now do you trust me? Fuck all of you. And he walks out of the match Fuck and they get their w. ass beat. Fuck WCW. Um, 
So those for me resonated. Okay. Hard. Uh, all good. Uh, yak matches of the... Warrior Hogan. Warrior Hogan. That's <laughs> Warrior one. Hogan's the worst. Jesus Christ. It was almost like they both forgot to work. Um, but How could somebody who's so good at big matches in Hulk Hogan have that match? How is that possible? I literally... Andre can't work for shit, and he pulled him into a passable so, match. So here's how this... Like, honest to God, I don't understand how this match ever happened. Because... I have seen tons of matches where one guy has an off night or it looks like he just forgot how to fucking mm-hmm. work. I've never seen a match where both guys <laughs> forgot how to work and just have a turn. I've never seen oh that. Oh, my God. Like, how does that happen where both guys are having that night? That's one in a million. I've never seen that before. Um, Terrible. Uh, Bossman Snow. Kennel oh, from Hell. Kennel from Hell match. Jesus Christ. With the exception of what's called great, I would just say every WF match from WF. <laughs> um, I would say, I forgot what's the time period, but Thunder had like a run, a main events, or just shows period. Like, oh, this this all sucks. <laughs> I remember a three week stretch where they had Kendall Windham out there for twenty minutes apiece. Yeah, the Kendall Windham special. Joe almost killed himself live on air. The yeah. Kendall Windham special. Other terrible matches resonate with I me. got Oklahoma versus Medusa. That's yes, that is terrible. Um, any Shane Douglas match? <laughs> I can't yes. say that. General Reaction. I have um, Kiss Demon versus The Wall. Pretty bad. Yeah. What are some of the absolute drags? I'm trying to think. Man, God, Warrior Hogan and Bossman Snow really are at yeah. the top of the fucking list. Oh, those me. are going to be two, one it's and two. It's real yeah. hard to think of anything else right now because that is just God. Some people put, you know, you know, just because of how it is, the finger poke of doom. Just because of still better than those two. It's a segment more to me than a match. Yeah. Just, eh. Um. Okay, so I feel like I'm missing something. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. There's, There's got to be something. There's six obvious. years to think of. So let's go back and watch them all and we'll find out. Uh, what? I'm not doing that at all. Oh, okay. What about uh, your MVP? MVPs. So mine was easy. I had three immediately. I guess I'll go in order. So we're back. So for three for me, it was Vince McMahon. Okay. Two, it was Hogan. One, it was Austin. And I and Austin, I gotta be honest, only gets the nod because they won. If it had been the other direction, it would have been Hogan. Hogan, and just for me, maybe NWO period during the high point because there was at one point you had Hogan, Hall, Nash, Savage, and uh, Steiner all giving awesome performances a week in the NWO. And mm-hmm. it was like, come on, that's an embarrassment of riches right there. Yeah. Uh, and even Buff, with Scott Steiner, Buff made a tremendous. That might be low-key some of my favorite shit. Which is sidekick for Scott yeah. Steiner. Yeah. Like, when, when he's Steiner's sidekick, and, like, they keep getting out of matches with Rick on pay-per-views. And it's at Fall Brawl. He's got the, the doctor's note, and he's got, the, he's got the Band-Aid on both sides. Mm-hmm. Where, he got, where he got a needle. He got shots. The... 
He's got it on the inside and outside. The tour bus that they did, like the, the yeah, the eastbound and down. Yeah, for they some did reason. the fucking spring break with Steiner and Bagwell. Which man, think just think about they the raw footage there. Begging rats. Where Steiner all of a sudden decides he's fucking Austin Powers. He's fucking funny and shit. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much good stuff. So show who are your MVPs um, or MVP? MVP. For me, it's Stone Cold. Just seeing how, you know, watching it then, you didn't really put two and two together. But then watching it now, just watching it, like, just from beginning to end, and just see, like, how he is the needle mover. He really is transcendent. Yes. That's one thing I've, I, I re, on the rewatch, he's transcendent. Rewatching it, then watching it for the first time, the storyline leading up to WrestleMania 17. Even before, like in 97, 98, he's transcendent. Yeah. And the only other person I can say that about is Hogan, because they Hogan did was it, transcendent. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, uh, just, what's weird is Hogan was transcendent twice in his career. Right. Because yeah. it was in the 80s and then in the late the 90s. 90s. Very weird, right? Uh, another, another for me, uh, Jeff Jarrett. He stole... A lot. He stole, season, but he stole a whole I, bunch of MVPs yeah. for me. He was one of my favorite performers. I can't put him on this list. Okay. I would put him... I would call him my like everyday MVP. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, like uh, he he like he'd be the MVP of my boots. team. Yeah, but he's not the MVP of the league. Working boots. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd yeah. say it's Austin and Hogan. Austin. He's that um, offensive yeah. lineman who just is the heart and soul of your team, but he's you know and he's not the quarterback. And for me, a lot of it, Kevin Nash. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, I think it's Austin. I, it's yeah. Austin. Yeah. Austin's number one. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's not close. Fun part, guys. Who is your Moa Dib? Moa Dib. I disagreed on this. Okay, we took these two different directions. You want to go first, Corey, or me? I'll go first. Okay, because Joe will like mine. But he will. Uh, I say Shane Douglas. Thank you, the, brother. The, but the reason I say this is because he failed spectacularly on both sides of the war during the war. He was an absolute bust as Dean Douglas. He was an absolute bust as broken down Shane Douglas in WCW. He failed magnificently twice in this six and a half year period. He did. So to me, I was like, that's got to be the motive for me. I mean, he failed twice. It's okay. like being in the Civil War and losing on both sides. I totally agree with what Corey is saying. <laughs> yep. But Douglas is my number two. Ooh, okay. Number one is the man that's named after is Ahmed Johnson. He was, I mean, my, he was my number one. He's For that there. reason, because yeah. yep. we named it the Moedib. At one point, it was the Sid, and it changed. Because he was and worse. And didn't go back. Yeah. Also, number three for me is Ultimate Warrior. Uh, number three, I only had two, and two for well, me. Well, he felt twice, too, so I guess that's fair. Two yeah. for me was Vince Russo. No, Russo's, he, well, that's Russo's perpetuity. Yeah. He just... Remember how Jeff Jarrett was our everyday working man MVP? And yeah. <laughs> Vince Russo was my everyday Moedib. <laughs> Corey gave a great... Synopsis of Vince Russo's greatest night in wrestling, where he booked the greatest single night tournament maybe ever. It's, Everything was it's magnificent. Beautiful. It's a work of art. That's it. Everything else he did that he was the lead of sucked. Fucking was trash. Beaver cleavage. It was. Oh my god! You hear that thing on the cornet thing? You know? <laughs> yep. <coughs> where he is defending Beaver cleavage. That's what he's doing now. Who? Russo. Russo. He's of a, course that he wrestling fans didn't get it. It went over their head. Like, or when he there's nothing to, you. No, we got it. You wanted us to think he's banging his mom. 
And that's exactly what we thought was happening, is that he was banging his mom. And, and somehow then, you turned it worse, because then you just became... beating his mom. Then, then it became beating his girlfriend, who he dressed as his mom. Yeah. yeah. Vince Russo has some so, fucking issues with so women. four... So I don't think we have a consensus here, because I... It's Shane, Douglas. It's, Shane it's, Douglas. It could switch. It Shane flip. Douglas, yeah. you know, is not great. Bob. Shane Douglas, one storyline in, so, in WCW for all how long he was there. Ric Flair, you think you're better than me? Dick Flair. Yeah. So my counterpoint to him, I don't know if it's true or not, so Corey will have to back me up because I didn't watch any of it, and I'm not going to. Uh, was, wasn't he really good in ECW? Yes, he was. Yes, we didn't watch that for this, but... Paul he, he Heyman was bad in two comedies, but he was fucking great in one of them. You know what it is? It's, it's Paul Heyman, like it's like Big Show. Nobody in WWE knew, knew how to book Big Show except for Paul Heyman. Yep. Paul Heyman knew how to book Shane Douglas. Yep. And maximized it to its full extent. And, and so yeah, there he was good. Mm-hmm. You got to find that booker. It doesn't matter if the talent's good or not. If he knows how to book that guy, you're gonna have gold. Um, any WTFs? Just that we made it all the way that through. we made it. Yeah. Yeah. Is there one moment that sticks out to you guys from everything that happened on television? Because there's a bunch of what the fuck behind the scenes and I just, you know. Yeah. Um, Anything, if you think of like, in six years, what is the fucking moment you flash to as somebody that says the Monday Night Wars? It's got all in the ring. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's the moment. Because that to me, that's when the war started. Um, for me, it's fully flying off the cage. I will always think of that moment. I have two in a way. Growing up, if you ask me, it would be DX invading WCW. Now, for me, it's Bash the Beach. Who's the third man? So, guys, it's been fun. You know, my yeah, WTF is it's the fact that we're done and. I don't know what to do with my life anymore. Done and dusted. Done and dusted. But yeah, there uh, a lot of stuff that I wrote on my notes. We talked about. Sorry about your dead daddy. And a heat, Sorry about your dead daddy. A heat seeker to the face. My goal in life is to find the gift of Alex Wright and then Sting getting up and I'm out. walking See out. You later. Yeah. I'm out. I'm tapping. God damn it. Um... But yeah, and then, you know, Sid's injury. How big of a... Uh, 43. 43. 43 inches. So. About the size of... Um, Colonel Parker's dick. Yeah, yeah, Colonel Parker's dick. Jump rope. So, uh, yeah, this is the end, guys. He can do the wristwatch. <laughs> You've heard of that, right? Yeah, I have. Completely yes. flaccid. Have it go all the way around your wrist. Uh, one of the... Robert Gibson. Gibson. Robert Gibson can also do the, the wristwatch. So guys, this I cannot. I'll just be honest right here. I could I could make it as an ankle bracelet. I couldn't do a wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess for that being said. So uh hold on. Oh, okay. Go forward then. Okay. I would like to thank one savior Richard Marticelli and one lonely Toshi Jeff Mack. See, I was gonna do the same thing. Because they uh they put in their time. They did. The show would not have gotten here if they hadn't. Uh so sh- shout out to them for Leaving and making the show better <laughs> for their time in the seat. <laughs> you know, we can, we can do the whole spot spot spot, and this be Jeff giving him uh, giving you his spot type stuff. You know, so yeah, just shout out to them. Shout yeah. out to the producer. Yeah, 
for uh, keeping this fucking show on the road for a while. This dog and pony show. Just, you know, the shit show that is the one in that war stories. Six and a half, man. We, the last one thing, you know, I thank everybody that had, you know, Rick and Jeff for being, I thank you too. We took a combined, hold on. Hang on, wait for it. Four months off? Yeah. Because we're, yeah. we're getting, we're, we're three months away from the seven year mark of us starting this thing. Accurate. And uh, remember December? Yeah, one December years, we just like broke one it. December. It's just things happen on the outside, and it's just like, and we were like three weeks away from finishing off ninety eight or ninety nine or something. We, we would never finish ninety eight. Yeah. yeah, we were so close, and then just December S- happened. Something happened. Uh. And just like, <laughs> hey, it's Rudolph. Like, w- yeah, like me and me and Corey would text each other, and be like. Are we ever going to finish this damn uh, year? Ah. 98 broke us, brother. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I appreciate both of you. You know, it's been fun. We we put the time in. We took put the time in. We did everything. I say we need to take a break. Yes. And then Spring we, break. We're and then we need to come back with something else, Joe. Yeah, we'll come out with something. We got ideas. Well, so uh, Sticking to the Shane Douglas uh, <laughs> careerography. Uh, 100%. And when I say us, I mean you're going to I mean, watch you. it and we'll talk about it. I don't like this you know, <laughs> idea, but uh, you well, know, the producer already signed off on it, so we're doing it. Shit. So the, she can she can be bought. Turns out I'm DM and Shane as we speak to get him on the show. You're asking to get franchised. <laughs> so great, Joe Lussell. You're gonna get franchised. <laughs> That'd be enough for me, dog. <laughs> um, but you know, I appreciate. Uh, thank everyone that's been part of this show. I. Uh, Oh, I, you already did. It's only been. I thank the fans. Oh yeah. Uh, don't it's forget like them. Devin you know is always too high to do this one. Except for, except for Mountain View, California. You guys can fuck yourself. Devin didn't want to do the job. He didn't want to show up. We were gonna have him uh, do a couple shows here and there, and he said nay. Nah, he's so. too cool for. He's it. too cool for school. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Um, he's too cool for me in general. Yeah, I not, wouldn't say that. That's okay, he's too cool for me. He's too lazy. There it is. Um, but yes, this brings an end to the Monday Night War Stories. But we we will. Come up with some ideas, and we'll be back down the line for the this type of show. But we will still be here for the No So podcast and any uh, special things that we come down. So, the what line. are you guys doing in your time off? I'm myself. I'm driving a truck over to Texarkana. Oh yeah, pick up some cores. Um, I, I think I'm going to Boston. Some clam chowder. I'm like hungry. That's good idea too. Am I going on a road trip? Um, find, find my real dad. We already did. I mean, sir, he's No So award winner, Marty Gennetti. I popped the producer. <laughs> I mean, especially once we found out your middle name is Janetti. There it is. I mean, Joe Janetti Lessel. JJ, JJ Lessel. Which is weird because that's also his real last name. He just uses Lessel. I don't know where he found that. but So his name is actually Joe Janetti Janetti. I'm Triple so, J, baby. So you must have, your dad must have been in one of his more lucid moments when you were named. Checks out, but I think I'm gonna go on a uh, 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 a tour around the world because I know maps. I've been around the world. Probably, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I might have to drive. I might drive into uh, say hi to Jeff. Who knows? You know. I think you should. Yeah. He's only two counties over. Yeah, only two counties over. It's like a 20 minute drive. So, uh, but yes, uh, this brings then to the Monday Night War stories. But you can go to NoSellEntertainment.com. That's right, NoSellEntertainment.com. We can find all the blogs, all the podcasts, everything that we do for you. Uh, you can find us on the social medias at Facebook, Twitter, and the Instagram at No So Entertainment or No So E N T. 
Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Baby, and wherever you listen to your podcasts.